Hello right, and broadcasting okay. from the beautiful central coast of California. Uh, it's the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show. I thought you cracked it with the explosion. You know what? I don't give a fuck. I crack it when I want to. How about that? Sometimes I want to deal with the explosion and sometimes I fucking don't. I'm just going to twist off my water bottle. Well, I couldn't hear it, but there's also the song hit. They're beautiful voices. I know. And good listening homies, welcome back to your beautiful voice, good host, James and Edward, on the Doctor at Danger Radio Show. With your boys. I said boys and homies, but fuck it. I don't care. I want to do a sloppy intro. Why? Because I fucking can. I'm What's a- good with you, Edward? I'm Edward. Hey, everybody. How are you all doing? Um, yeah, I be chilling. Like a villain. Like a villain. I've just been... um, Just... Pff, life's been work, pretty much. Um, We just had a toxic Life is practice. hell. Life is work. We just jam music, and now we got a podcast, because... And that's how our fucking schedules work, so fuck yeah. it. Yeah, things have been kind of neato, I guess, uh, The promo- with the promotion setting in and stuff. Yeah, uh, manager boy. Yeah, man. I saw as my boy came in here yesterday, helped him find the Communist Manifesto and Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah, I know. You like, showed me where the books are. Right, I was, I was, like, anti- I was like, hey, where's the anti-capitalist books right here? Oh, also, if you want the capitalist books, they're over here. They're right next to each and other. Like, the dude, philosophy section is right next to the business section. And it's great to see that 90s-looking Kiyosaki right there in that, oh, like, yeah, with that purple haircut. T- dude, that purple color his grave laser yeah dude how often do people buy rich dad poor dad oh we uh we We sell at least between two to three copies a week from him which may not sound like a lot but to trust me a book from the 90s yeah he's uh i wrote the shelf talker for it for a quarter of a century he's helped millions which is true that book is 25 years old next year and his books have sold like i looked it up what was it like 40 million copies or some shit oh Making money like fucking selling books, telling yeah. his shit. How to like what lessons of the rich. The only other thing I've been doing is and I'm you don't talk about he's friends with Trump. So yeah. if you, if that discourages you, then you're kind of bone reading the book. I keep forgetting to ask. We sell Art of the Deal, which is Trump's business book. Do you want to? If you're you're reading all of them, do you want to read that one? Oh no, is that on fucking Spotify? Let me <laughs> check real quick. Oh my god, Art of the Deal read by Donald Trump. <laughs> I don't even like Trump, but that'd be pretty hype. Like that'd be a fucking hilarious read. Out of the around. deal by Donald Trump. Out of the deal by, by Donald, Donald Trump. China by China Trump. Art of oh, man. the deal by Donald. Trump. Oh my God! There's an episode. Is it like best book bits? Hold it. Oh no. Art of art of the deal. Yeah, it's art of the deal. I think he has like one or two more other books, but Art of the Deal is like his big one. Yeah, I'm like looking it up. So like, let's not well, have too much dead air. Well, let's ask about life. Well, did you already just say you've just been working? Anything that, else you want to share on the podcast? Well, you know, listening homies, the exact opposite of Donald Trump. Uh, I was like, I was like, screw it, and I I'm listening to the new Ministry album. Yeah, I'll say this. It's Ministry's first good album in like nine years. Oh, yeah. How was that album? Well, you know, it's kind of neat. Um, I didn't listen to it because I don't really listen to Ministry. It sounds like, well, 
actual industrial metal now. Ministry's been in a weird place because he ended the band, Al Jorgensen ended the band in like 2008, then came back in 2013. It was kind of like, eh, whatever. Um, and then he released an album in, in 2017 called Americant, but it was with like three Ks or something. And now this one, it's called, um, I forget the name of it, but I think it's like moral, it's called like moral hygiene. And yeah, it sounds like ministry. It sounds like old, like nineties ministry. It They're weird because like for a while there, he was trying to do this like weird, like industrial, like kind of thrash hybrid stuff for a while. And it just kind of sounded, eh. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, ministry is a weird band and Alan Jorgensen's weird, but yeah, I, I learned something funny though. Ministries like old old shit, like their old pop, not synth pop records, have been like getting popular more and more over the years. And Al Jorgensen hates that because of, wait wait Ministry had synth pop records. They had like their first or first and or, but at least their first album was like yeah, it was like a dark wave uh, synth thing. You know, it was uh, as appropriate for the time. Very George Newman. Um, you know, like Depeche Mode inspired shit. But then eventually, um, you know, he added in all the metal influences. So then we get songs like Jesus Built My Hot Rod and NWO, that whole album, actually. And yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's not too bad. I don't have much to know. We'll say like life's been actually chilling for me, like nothing crazy on my past weekend. Just mostly just doing podcasts and jamming tunes and stuff. <sighs> And freaking just dealing with like all my like car troubles and stuff. Yeah. As though that like yesterday I dropped off the cash to get a transmission for my like goddamn like commuter car. Hopefully I get that back in like two weeks or something. Yeah. We'll see. It depends on the I go by the guy's shop. It's a one man show. And it's like it looks like a one man show. Yeah. But he was a very polite, like short dude. And I was like, you know, you are a cool dude. You like are actually workable. You're not like the professional shop. Yeah. Like you know, like the last place I was taking my car, like the business owner honestly came off kind of like a douchebag. Was that not the, gonna lie? Was that the guy where you were asking him to like fix the transmission, but he was like trying to diagnose the car with everything but the transmission? Well, no, it was this guy. Oh, that was yeah. This but guy. then I like told him I want to go to Oregon with this car. Let's change the transmission. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> I like said that. I didn't want to overthink it, and like. Yeah, no, transmission will have like only 75,000 miles on it. So, or 74, that'd be nice. Like, the car is like over 200,000 miles. So, like, that's pretty like steep for a transmission. And then, yeah, no, hopefully I get, get my commuter car back and then I can get my van's like friggin' oil problem fixed. But till then, it's a game of patience and spending money. Spending, 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 spending money. Sounds like a lot of money. It's a little something. I need to like so I need to try some side hustles idea. But then I realized I don't have much time. I like I have I spend too much time doing this stuff. Because why? <clears throat> I care for you listeners. You very few. I think. Well we're almost I don't know why I podcast. It's fun <laughs> to podcast. Well, we almost have two thousand downloads on Podbean. That's pretty lit. Yeah. Do you, who did you publish us through on Spotify? Can you take a Just look Podbean. at Podbean? Oh yeah, well can can you like take a look at those numbers? I don't know if I can or not. I thought you should be able to. Yeah, but I don't care at the same time. No, listen, I don't want to say we're popular, but we're pretty much popular. I guess we're popular no, with I'm like kidding. a couple peeps. All right then. And remember listeners, there's always goddamn timestamps in the show <laughs> if you want to get to the reviews cuz we like to ramble about life. Yeah. Maybe we sometimes say something funny. Or we say something sad and you care about it. Isn't that... Or you get disappointed at us. It's one of the two. <laughs> no, we don't have good friend Dylan on. They, they don't get disappointed. Maybe they get disappointed with some of our music opinions. 
but that's about it. No, that's why they just go straight to our, like, media reviews. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to let the fucking let out? <sighs> okay, so this... <laughs> yes, we are. Just so you can get... I'm just confirming so you can get the timestamp. So, as you all know, we've been on the Led Zeppelin journey, so we listened to the classic first four albums... But now we're past those albums. We're in uncharted territory. I thought or so I thought this album pulled a switcheroo on us. This is Houses of the uh, House of the Holy. Now, like I said, we thought because last week we said something to the effect of, "Okay, I think we're through like almost all the radio punishers. And we're like, yeah, dude, complete new territory. (laughs) For some reason, this album's like I've heard half this album. before. Yeah. So track one is the song remains the same, which is also the same name as their live album thingy they did. Um, it's an upbeat rocker song with like vague funk and psychedelic influences. It's weird. It's like it's not poppy, but it's not like funky. It's something in the middle. It sounds like a happy song. I didn't look up the lyrics to see if it's about like, I don't know, drugs or something. Uh, I think I liked it. It's a toe tapper. <laughs> The rhythm section I noted was strong in this one, and Paige didn't sound boring on guitar. That's all I can ask for Zeppelin. Maybe just a hair too long, though. Yeah, no. I can understand it being a little too long, and I kind of felt that. But for what this is Led Zeppelin, I think I would kind of know what I what we're into sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes some too long of songs. But I thought this was a fun opener. It was really energetic. But I sense this was almost overproduced at the same time. It sounded weird to me. I'm like, this is a four-band piece, and this does not sound like a four-band. There's a lot of production. Dude, it sounds like there's eight. (laughs) There's a lot of layering. There's a lot of production. Like, there's a lot of good production, but it's like, it almost might be too much production. Probably, yeah. So... So track two is the rain song. It's a melancholic song. Starts off with like minimalistic acoustic guitars and like moody electronic interlude guitar interludes. They brought in mild orchestra elements like two minutes in, and I'm like, man, this is nice. And I'm listening to it going by, and I check the time, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why are there five minutes left? It's a seven minute song. But a minute later, Bonham comes in with some soft drums, breaks things up, and then the full band comes in, and about a minute later with pianos and shit, and it's all right. That's what. I could say about the song. It dragged a bit, but it was able to mostly keep me till the end. It's yeah, a good song. For me, song two, it started to sound like elevator music <laughs> for me. But it honestly uh, was kind of cool and froggy. So I'd say it was alright. Yeah, I never I really underestimated. I never really realized how proggy these guys were until listening to them. I guess so. I guess uh, because when I think of Led Zeppelin, I'm like, oh, they inspired a bunch of shitty bands. I didn't realize that they had prog influences. They probably inspire prog bands, too. Well, maybe like people actually dissect. See, there's people that dissect Zeppelin and then there's just a goofy fucks that just listen to Zeppelin. It's like, we'll start a band and get titties. (laughs) Two kinds of two kinds of musicians. There are two kinds of musicians in this world. So track three is called Over the Hills and Far Away. And I was tripping because I heard the song. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this like that Nightwish song that they did a cover of? Was that a Led Zeppelin song? So I Googled it and it's like, no, that's a Gary Moore song. What the hell? So what the hell is this? I'm like, this kind of sounds familiar. It has like this acoustic buildup. I'm like, and then it hit me. Many times my love. 
many times I miss you. I'm like, oh, I know this fucking song. Yes, I know this one too. Uh, I forgot, and I wrote these are my notes. This is the other Radio Punisher I forgot about. There's a, there might be a couple. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But yeah, um, it wasn't a bad listen. I'll admit, I was realistically the song I I liked. Okay, I can say that. But like, I was just mad at myself. Because I didn't recognize that acoustic buildup goes for like a minute and a half, and it didn't hit me until the many times. I, so I was like, "God damn it, I'm a poser." But then I'm like, "Wait, I'm a poser for a band I don't like." Ish, whatever. What do you think? I wrote down the start off sounding like a coffee shop boy, <laughs> like okay, just acoustic, folky, whatever, and then it turned into the radio song. I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, I've heard this song before because of radio. It's a good song. Yeah, it's good. Like, it's on the radio. I, you would like to think it's good in some sense. Yeah, but there's some of those fucking songs we heard on the radio we condemned on those first four albums. Especially, I think we gave it to Black Dog the hardest. I don't know if the song's a Punisher, but you've heard this before. I've heard it before. Yes. Get the lead out. Get the lead out. Oh, okay. This next fucking song. This one. This is called The Crunge. So the I wrote crunch. the crunch C R U N G. There's a weird fucking names on this record. Too. I don't know what the hell they're going for, but they're yeah, doing something. The crunch. Um, how do I sum up this song? It kind of sounded horrible. So like, it's this super like. I'll just sum up my notes with what I wrote here. It sounded like four white dudes trying to be black, and like. I googled the song because Led Zeppelin's like the Beatles and all their songs have Wikipedia pages. And yeah. What? Yeah. And Rolling Stone. Yeah. Literally every Beatles song and every Led Zeppelin song have a Wikipedia page. I think Pink Floyd does too. But um, yeah, the Rolling, Rolling Stone magazine called it one of the worst things they ever did. And according to the like background information, yeah, they were just straight up trying to be James Brown with the song. And I wrote here, no plant, I can't find the fucking bridge. Because at the end of the song, he's like, he's like, where's the bridge? Where's the bridge? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? So here's my thing. I wrote, damn, we got some funk in the trunk up in here. <laughs> I wasn't suspecting this, but honestly, I welcomed it. Welcomed it? Fuck I you. I like funk. I like funk too. I've been so used to either very fucking folky ballads or like the basic like Radio Punisher goddamn Led Zeppelin songs. Them That's being, very fair. Let them being weird and wanting to play some <laughs> funk. I don't know if like, here's the thing. I'm fine with like Bonham and maybe the instruments. Maybe I can understand Robert Plant just doesn't have that friggin' doesn't have the magic like James Brown James Brown does. Yeah, maybe. But okay, I, when you put it like that, I can get it. But and I like listening bro. to funk. I listen to a lot of hard music, but I also like listen to a couple funk bands. Yeah, this reminds projects. me of this reminds me of like Led Zeppelin one when you were going off on those people that were that give Zeppelin a hard time for lifting from old blues and folk songs. And then earlier today, you were talking to me about that one gal who's being given a hard time. Oh, right Olivia now. Rodrigo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, well, you know. What can you do, I guess? Whatever. They decided to have a funk song. And honestly, me thinking, oh, hey, Zeppelin tried to do a funk song. All right, this is weird. But I'm, I'm not hating on it. Uh, so it leads into track five, Dancing Days. And then uh, and then as soon as it started, I'm like, fuck, I forgot about this one, too. Yes. It's another Radio's Punisher. And yeah, it's all right. You know, Rolling Stone called this out, called this song and a couple other songs on here filler. Um, I don't know what they were listening to. I heard this shit on the radio all the time. And I'll say this. Um, I think it's better than other radio punishers. So it's fine. It's short. It didn't annoy me. 
I was like, here's another radio boy, kind of the basic lead song, which is not bad. So I and I honestly thought this one was kind of tight. I recognize that riff too. As soon as it played, I'm like, oh, oh, I know that riff. I know coming off from the funk song. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, then track six is called Dwyer Makara. So it's D W Y E R M A apostrophe K E R. I think it's like Dwyer Maker. I don't know what that is. Dwyer Maker. I don't know. Listen, all capital letters. Another radio song I forgot about. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> this one. I'm the fuck. I just wrote down. Well, I don't, you gotta tell me how like the cadence of the O's went, but yeah. it, it's a Punisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't wrote anything else. Like oh, oh, wasn't that one? Oh. Out? Oh, oh. yeah i wrote i literally wrote here in my notes i remember those uh-ohs those uh-ohs those uh-ohs I fucking re- are annoying now because I, I was gonna say unlike the other ones i didn't like this radio punisher on the radio it's so. a pu- because it's a punisher this is a punisher and like those oh o's won't oh. go away they don't i told you plant doesn't shut up dude this is the worst. This is this is one of the worst Punishers. It's pretty bad. So track seven is no quarter. A weird. It's a. I wrote here. It's a weird atmospheric piece. Now I like this. It was very experimental for the time. It's a groover. The rhythm section sounded good. They threw some weird effects on Robert Plant's vocals. There was like keyboards and a cool bridge with a piano break. We, we talked how in Zeppelin three how the how the recording quality for some of those folk songs sounded ahead of the time. This song sounded ahead of the time too. I felt it had really just maybe it was the remaster. I felt it had clear um, you know production. Well, here's the thing about this record: this had like the most consistent production and definitely the most stereo use of the production. I'd say that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's for sure. And then yeah, um, it ran a little long, but I wasn't complaining. Might have been my favorite song. On the album this has this checks a lot of ed boxes i wrote down it's a space boy (laughs) it's got a space boy might have been a space funk boy with tight grooves from bonham yeah like bonham was laying down tight grooves i wasn't sure at first what i thought of the song but honestly i think the more as it went i'm like you know what this song's tight you know i gotta it's fine i gotta tell you throughout this whole thing i I I've held these views since i was a kid i'm always gonna have biases against plant and page but i gotta tell you one thing about this journey is come to appreciate fucking John Paul and John Bonham are fucking great rhythm section players. They are some groovers. They make this band great for, uh, you know, the great thing that they are. So then track eight is called The Ocean. It starts with like a pirate yelling and then, fuck, I forgot about this one too. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. The, you know what I wrote here? The Zeppelin fans must think we're, that are listening to this, if anyone's listening to this that is a Zeppelin fan, they must think we're fucking idiots because we forgot we knew half this album. I never, dude. <laughs> there's eight songs to, and four of them are on the radio. No, I swear every time we listen to each Zeppelin album, there's at least half of it we've heard before. But I expected that with the first four. I thought we were in the clear. No. <laughs> no, dude. But yeah, um uh but yeah, the second I heard that riff, I was just like, ah, but I I, I just wrote, I didn't get much notes, but I liked it. I it was I tell it was better than Dwyer Maker. Bro, I wrote down, well, let's finish this album with the most stereotypical Led Zeppelin song that we <laughs> could think of. Like, this is honestly uh. Yeah. This literally sounds like Led Zeppelin trying to do a Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin song. song. And yeah. I'm like, this is the most Led Zeppelin song you can think of. It's not their best one. No. But it's definitely the most Led of Led. 
You know, it's funny. My dad, you know, it's coincidental. My dad told me the other day that this is actually his favorite Led Zeppelin album. I can kind of see it. There's only like one song on here. Oh, two actually where I'm just like, where I'm just like, I didn't really it's like. The funk. He, your dad's about the funk song. I guess my dad's about the funk. Maybe the, there's a joke in, what's that old movie my mom likes? Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High where the guy's like, you have to play the last half of Led Zeppelin 4 when you're with the ladies. I guess my dad just threw on Houses of the Holy and went to, and went Wait, to town. Wait, was Zeppelin yeah, that was the worst half. That, the first half was way better. Yeah, I think. But I don't know if it's lady loving music. I don't know. I just know that. I don't that think that Stairway, Stairway to Heaven is definitely lady loving music. That's just like a yeah. sick epic. Well, you hate it, but. But my. um, I just wasn't that impressed. I mean, I listened to the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, it's a good song. But, you know, people trying to tell me, oh, this is one of the great rock songs of all time. This is Led Zeppelin's best song. I'm like, I just didn't see it. Well, it's maybe like, I'm sorry well, it's my like the, dad didn't spit me out of his nuts back in 70 yeah. so I could listen to it. But oh, yeah, I know you couldn't listen to the punisher, the punishment of friggin' I could have been stairway. there before they were punishers, could have been there, but yeah, um. It was definitely the most interesting one we've listened to so far of the Led Zeppelin. Well, I wrote down, I thought this was a good album. Yeah. And at times experimental, but honestly, it's not lighting the world on fire. Nah. It's, to me, it was kind of like. I like this more than the kind of, first Led Zeppelin album. It almost kind of was like, it's kind of a weird, almost safe album. It's like, there's not mm. much really, I feel like, pushing the creativity. I could see that. Especially when I've heard like, and I'm like, oh yeah, I somehow heard half these songs. <laughs> But honestly, I think with the last song being the most led of Led Zeppelin song, that usually isn't the best thing. F- I'm kind of yeah. curious what the next album is. Like, I liked it when like Zeppelin's weird. Yeah, that's where they it's were like, weird on this album. Because like I know what Zeppelin is, but when they're weird, that throws things off, and I'm really curious. Yeah, it goes really well or really bad. Like them trying to throw some funk in the trunk. <laughs> Well, do some practi- funk in the trunk. But I'll, I hang out, practice the funk songs on the regular. It's like my metronome, like practices. Maybe throw funk Zeppelin in your mix. <laughs> so yeah, no, that was an interesting song, but for sure I could see some people not caring out about it. And then it's like this is the worst song Zeppelin done. I don't know. There's some Zeppelin songs. That's that- what Rolling Stone magazine said. They said it was one of the worst ideas they've ever had. It was one of the weirdest. It's definitely one of their most ambitious ideas. You know what? I'll say this. I hated that song, but at least they tried. Most bands wouldn't try to do something like that. Yeah, you think Brett Michaels is going to write a <laughs> fucking funk song? No, he only knows how to write with four chords, dude. I know. All I do is try to jam funk all day. <laughs> that shit's fun. Oh, man. It also pisses It pisses off old, old white people. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Really? Like it does? No, I mean, like you've seen it happen. Well, it's when I play Funkin' Disco. It's just me working at the pizza place. I'm oh, just yeah, yeah. Funkin' Disco. I'm like, it's safe. It's also, I actually like listening and it's fun. Yeah. Is that or Walmart country? What's punishing one way or another? Yeah. That'll throw on some fucking Yanni and definitely throw off the midnight at the pizza restaurant. At least it's all wa- fucking weird. It's like, so what's this epic piano ballad music we're listening to right now? I'm like, oh, it's like Greek freaking contemporary superstar Yanni. I'm not listening to Yanni in a minute. Maybe I should throw I, don't, I haven't over. listened to Yanni in a minute. I know. There was like a minute I was like punishing you people. I was like, I fucked their ass Yanni because I think I'm trying to be cool or something <laughs> by being weird. <laughs> oh, I've thrown Yanni while like in, ver- in like nice scenic spots of like across a lake, driving across a lake at the nice green forts of of like Seattle, Washington, of like the state 
of Washington. I'm just got epic Yanni music going on. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a weird dude. I'll throw on some fucking funk and Yanni at your poor place of work to work to. God, and I and I always and I always think I get weird looks when I play my music at work. I work with a bunch of normies though. It's like I'll throw on like I'll have what, on. They like, listen to the fucking Walmart country. No, they that's saying they hate. No, they're they're all they're all uh, they're all left. They hate country. I don't know what music they like. the The only thing they all consistently like is high is uh, pop punk that was popular when we were in high school. That's the one thing I could pin down. And my coworker Devin said uh, he had an ex boyfriend that loved Smashing Pumpkins because every time Smashing Pumpkins goes on my playlist, he's always like, "Oh, is that Smashing Pumpkins?" You, I'm like, "Yeah." Are you trying to invite me to work at your place on the weekends <laughs> so I can throw on the funk? Yeah, go from diss rock to Yanni, bro. Let's do it. Oh, I'm not. Well, I'm not throwing on discharge at work at your work. Oh, I got it. We got some punk rockers there. Well, like well, two. Wait, is it just playing in the back or is it playing well, over yeah, the freaking? No, no, not we can. No, the radio, we can only use satellite radio. The only ones we do well, consistently. Are you going to throw on butt rock octane radio? No, they won't let us. The only ones they'll let us throw it on are like the- 80s hits, smooth jazz, blues. How about the funk station? They won't let us throw it on the funk station. What is the fear of and the no, funk? And no liquid metal. Well, yeah, I'm fine with that. They don't want to hear the s- funk. They don't want to hear fucking overkill while their kids trying to read um, what the, the funk? little engine that could. What is the problem with the funk? I don't know. Ask them. Dude, fuck uh, go find this. Find the CEO of white people and harass them about funk. Hey, why, why are you so scared of the fucking grooving bass lines and the fun fucking drum beats, bro? <laughs> Should we? Uh, you know, we're having fun right now, but you know what wasn't fun this week? Dark side of the ring. Holy shit, we're back. Yes, we are back. So last episode with Kate with Johnny K9. There was a little sadness there, but honestly, and I and you pointed out in the description too, it kind of just felt like a Sons of Anarchy episode. It was kind of a wild ride. Like you could get invested. No, no pun intended because of biker shit. Right. And like you could get invested. There were some interesting things. They said that that was like the lowest rated Dark Side of the Ring episode in a long time. And that, that was a bummer, but you know. And then this one, oh man, we are back with the feelings. Yeah, no, this one's with defi- the churning in the stomachs. This is definitely a feelings episode. It wasn't like FMW where it was kind of factual <laughs> and it was kind of dirtbags and, and it was dark Onita- because it was just dumb, stupid shit. And there's Onita and probably then it was like just a- like gang criminal shit, so more yeah. dumb, stupid shit. But this, this is just like. Yeah. This is like sad and serial. There's no Onita chilling in a leather jacket, probably being a bad person, but he's so cool, we sort of give him a pass. Yeah, there's no like super cool, like there's cool people, but there's not like Onita core. It's like, my parents say you're a bad influence, I shouldn't hang out with you, but I feel like hanging out with you would be fun. <laughs> no, none of that. Uh, this is the many faces of Luna Vashon. Now... For wrestling fans who know Luna Vachon, you may remember Luna Vachon as uh, that chick that hung out with Bam Bam Bigelow uh, in early '90s. Uh, sorry, yeah, mid '90s WWF. And didn't didn't Luna go to WCW for a bit? I thought she not did. really. She went to ECW. I know she went to ECW, but I swear I thought she maybe that was Medusa that went to WCW. She went in there for like. Well, she was in Georgia with like Kevin Sullivan, so you yeah. kind of like mixed those up. But yeah, this is an interesting one. They packed a lot. We start with screaming from Luna Vachon as it opens up this episode of Dark Sidery. Yeah, I think somehow her voice she got her voice deeper than that. It was pretty gnarly. 
Oh, no, I'll just try to get more, like, scratchy of mine. So, yes, this week's episode, like I said, is Luna Vachon, and it's about how she was fucking crazy, pushed boundaries in a male-dominated world. I just want to be fucking wild. They briefly took... You just sound like a black metal band. Well, isn't that what Luna's voice was? Yes. They briefly touch on how she's from, like, a crazy childhood, had addictions, mental health issues, and how she was betrayed. They said that. They said she was betrayed. Yeah, well, there's going to be a couple tales of her being betrayed. So the episode starts for real proper, and we see archive footage of her cutting a promo. Somewhere to cult promo. Yeah. It's just, I guess, them trying to do spooky shit. And we meet her son, Van Hurd. He sounds uh, he sounds pretty proud, you know, to uh, to be her son. And uh, he said how she'd uh, pick him up from school with like a snake on her shoulder. Yeah, I know. The snake would try to like tackle while she's trying to give him a hug. And then next. Now, Grant, I don't know Luna's story super well. So when this next person showed up, I was pretty I was pretty surprised. Fucking Gangrel shows up. The leader of the brood. I know. <laughs> and directs pornography to in the present day. I That's think. right. I forgot he does that. Oh, he looks like he does, too. I know. It's so great. <laughs> he looks like a sleazy porno director. He dude. does look like a sleazy porno director. So he's on. He talks his history with her. And the first time the first time they met, he says she like kicked open the locker room door, pointed at him and went Fresh meat. Fresh meat. All oh, that hurt. Oh. Well, her voice is wild. I feel like my Adam's apple is shaking. <sighs> and they may be dated. I feel like later oh, on. They were married. Okay. Did they, I swear they were they were inconsistent with that because they never said they, they were, were married. married. Here he's just I'll like. I'll tell you when they say they got married. Okay, please do because I. And I'm. I was paying attention, and I just, they didn't say that, like, out loud. So, what's up, big boy? Van Hurd uh, remembers how uh, she hated her real name, which was Gertrude, uh, which... <laughs> That's not the best name. That's a I, wild name. Yeah. Gertrude and Dorcas are two female names that I'm glad uh, are no longer around. So, I apologize for any Dorcas or Gertrudes that are listening to us. I'm sure you're very beautiful. And how she's from the Vash the famous Vashon family, or so we think. So, Mick Foley on. I swear, he's on this shit more than, uh, more than um, Jim, uh, Jim Cornette. I almost forgot his fucking name. Well, I guess for this half of the season three. I guess Mick Foley just knows everybody. Well, would you be shocked? And I wrote here. So like three weeks ago or whatever, he calls himself the king of death match matches. And now he's on here. He said, I'm McFoley hardcore legend. I'm like, well, he is all of that. So Foley's, <laughs> a, Foley's a lot of stuff. He's many things, especially Santa Claus. <laughs> he's definitely Santa Claus. He mentions how uh, Luna's uncles and aunts were wrestlers. Um, her uncles specifically were a very in kayfabe hated tag team. And her father was a wrestler too. Named uh, He was the butcher Paul Vachon. And then we meet Butcher Paul Vachon. When I also wrote, what the fuck is up with his voice? I sound rude by saying that, but he, his voice was, what? This dude looked yeah. like, this dude looked like he was barely holding together. And I don't just mean because he's old. Like, his body is just, because that impersonation he just did, that's how he talked. The man it was like, <laughs> that's the I'm not trying to make fun of the guy, but he literally sounded like his whole body was being held together by like super glue and duct tape. Or it just sounded like his fucking mouth was full of lead. He can barely talk. But he says he met Luna in Atlanta. And I was like, met Luna? 
what? So he was working a show. He was at a hotel. He hears like a gunshot at night and he's like, well, whatever, I'm going to bed. But he wakes up the next morning. There's a knock on his hotel door and there's a woman there. And he says that gunshot last night was her husband, who's the owner of the hotel, who unfortunately killed himself. Luno at the time was four years old and Butcher says he became her father because he married the widow. Which, oh, that's a lot. So this is how the story's going already now. Yeah. Father suicide. Great. So Luna is of a Sean now. Uh, They have um, (gasps) archived audio clips of her uh, space throughout the episode. Um, And she was talking about how she would see her aunt wrestle and being on the road with her and stuff. And how she wanted to be just like her as a kid. Then Janine... Mensith? I don't know how to say it. I just name. think we meet Mad Maxine. Yeah, Mad Maxine's on. She talks her history a bit and how she thinks Luna got the idea of the mohawk from her. Yeah, because she had a mohawk. Yeah. But literally her purpose was that she talks about a young Luna as she was trained by Mula, which great. More Mula oh, talks. Oh, dude. I Fuck. Li- literally, she said that and I was like, because I, as I wrote here in my notes, I'm like, oh, Fabulous Mula's wrestling school. And then uh, there's a funny little bit where um, she mentions how Luna would get salty because she had like a real cute face, I guess. And people would be like, oh, you should be a baby face. But Luna wanted to be a heel. And then I literally, I was like, I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Did she just say Fabulous Mula? And right away, the episode's just like, it cuts to Janine talking about some of the whack shit that Mula pulled. Yeah, I just wrote down like, friggin' we meet Matt and we meet Matt and Maxine. And they talk about her mohawk, and friggin'. But then she starts talking, train, and talk about her mohawk and training at Mula. And then we meet a young Luna, and then it honestly devolves into the fucking Mula bullshit she does. And then Gangrel, according to, and then Gangrel says how, um, in his own words, Luna was never afraid of anyone. But when Mula would walk into a room, to the room, she would shake. She'd be nervous. And he says he says something to the effect of apparently Mula said something to Luna that was something akin to, well, you're sleeping with me tonight. Okay, hmm. then. And apparently there's a story that Mula sent um, Luna to some dude that was going to take pictures of her for five hundred dollars. And he tried to attack her, tried to attack, tried to rape her. But Mula was a- not Mula. Luna was able to fight him off. And I'm just like, fuck bro yeah and so all right let's 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 tally this first father suicide yeah great fucking shitty abuser trainer great yeah who's now centered to get like some dude that tried to like take advantage like try to like freaking raper great who realistically probably knew that was gonna happen and i don't know if we're even 10 minutes in the show yet i don't think we were fuck us i think we were like nine minutes in god damn it and unfortunately, Mula was the only one that was really consistently helping women get into the business because she had a monopoly back there. Fuck. Kim Saxon, a.k.a. Penelope Paradise, she talks about how Luna had big aspirations to like be a big name. And then eventually the timeline cuts to now she heads to Florida to kick it with Kevin Sullivan and his, uh, what was his shit called? The, his Order of Darkness or something? Something like, I just wrote down his fucking satanic crap gimmick yeah. thing. Where it's like, he wasn't saying he was satanic, but he just did weird occult shit and it scared the, like, southern white people. And Foley puts Kevin Sullivan over for, uh, yeah, Kevin Sullivan over for a while. Talks about how he had a good mind for wrestling. He was great at getting heat and he scared people. Uh, people in Florida were scared of him because they thought he, he he was putting like devil curses on them or something. Yeah, I know. So now, and okay, 
So what I'm about to tell you, people, is 100% true. I'm going to sum it up quickly, and then I'm going to go Wait, back with go? the details. What? Okay, just where are going? Me. So what they tell us next is Luna joins Championship Wrestling Florida. Kevin Sullivan punches her in the face, and then she turns evil. Yeah, that was the fucking angle. She like came in. They had her play off as like a reporter, like lady trying to do interviews. Kevin Sullivan punches her in the face, and yeah, no, I guess it's an angle turning her evil. Yeah, she went from just doing reporting to now. Yeah, no, it's like an instant. Like the Luna we all know and love. Well, I'm sure, like the stuff like on weekly well, sure. television built into it, but yeah. we have a documentary to talk about. Yeah, and it was just, I don't know if I should laugh or not, but that was just like. Kevin Sullivan punched Luna in the face and she turned heel. That's that's crazy. That's something. So, yes, she debuts um, as a bad guy. I thought they said as re- as early as next week. Um, and yeah, she's got she's got the one side of her head shaved. She does she like paints the veins on her skull and shit, the whole deal. So eventually she's getting exposure, good exposure, but unfortunately she is partaking in the excesses of the business, Kim says. Yeah, as Kim says, it, back then it was like snowing every day. Snowed every day in Miami. And I had to like, I paused for a second and I was like this. I was like, oh, but then I went, oh. I don't know, that was the first thing I heard. I was like, oh. Drugs. Which I guess she like talks about her like. Luna was consuming 100 pills a day? Quaaludes, Coke, Acid? Maybe? Number four on, like, goddammit crap? (laughs) The goddammit list? And it just sounds like she did it a lot. Then we kind of abruptly cut to, not abruptly as in subject matter, but they go from this and just uh, Gangrel starts talking about how just little bits Luna would talk about her childhood. Uh, He said Luna mentioned to her, to him that she had been um, raped and there was potentially some inappropriate stuff that had happened with family members. Kim says Luna said she was abused by her aunt, the one she idolized, but apparently never elaborated on it and just said that was it. Um, Gangrel thinks there might have been some truth to it, sadly. But then Paul Butcher on, he doesn't believe that anyone in the family could have done that. And when he said that, considering how this guy looked and sounded, I wasn't sure how I felt about that. Yeah, I don't know. I have a feeling he didn't pay attention. As much of these abuse stories we keep hearing, that seems to be a common theme. Yes. So after the break, because it cuts the commercial and comes back. By the way, thank, I want shout out to Dark Side of the Ring for for not having your uh, your promos on now since we're in the second half or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's no like it just got crazier and crazier. So after the break, they talk more about her mental health and how she was. Okay, did gay, did gang girl say she was studying or diagnosed with the things he said? Uh, well, I just wrote down here because I was doing it quick. Like now we got a roll. Peeps talking about her bipolar disorder. Yeah, and then we have Kim where it talks about her brawling in a hotel room. Oh God, where yeah. did we get into that? So, so apparently, yeah, they talk about that. She's like a shy person in real life, but could turn on a dime, and then um. I'm trying to see if I'm at the right place. Hey, okay, sorry. There was a bit. I'm with- kind of curious on some real quick. Let's take a pause. I hear a car alarm going off. Yeah, I heard that too. I thought it stopped by now. I don't know if it's your car. All right, we investigated. It wasn't Edward's car. <clears throat> yeah, it was someone else's. It was another basis is car. Uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, the hotel thing. So before that, Van Her was mentioning how um, she was very chemically imbalanced. And they didn't say this, but it sounds like to me on top of the bipolar, I feel like there was a bit she was potentially uh 
DID, but who can say? Just considering how abrupt and drastic the changes in personality were. Like, it just sounds like if someone was talking to her, she was sweet and chill, but if something pissed her off, she basically became Luna. That's what she said. The character Luna was basically her when she was mad. Like, when she's normal, she's, like, usually just being <clears throat> a cupcake, but I guess when she, like, became Luna, she became Luna. And she was all this all day. And then Kim, yeah, says they got in a gnarly fight in the hotel room for whatever small reason, and they, they're like, you know, she said her exact words were it sounded like we were killing each other in there. Just shit's flying, all this noise. But then they had to go out and wrestle a match that night, too. So, <laughs> so I guess they were able to put their shit aside enough for the match. Now we talk about Dirty Dick Slater, Van Hurd's first stepdad, he says. So allegedly, they mentioned he hurt Stepdad her. or first ex? He, the, he said uh, Van Hurd referred to him as his first oh, Van stepdad. Hurd. Van Hurd, yeah. Yeah, the son. Yeah. I, I, I never knew what to call him Van or Van Hurd. I just call him Luna's son. Okay. Because that's what he is. He's that is of, what he is. Yeah, yeah. So he's one of Luna's sons. But yeah, he taught... Because I was tripping. I'm like, who the fuck's Van Hurd again? But like, oh yeah, Van Hurd was his fucking name. Yeah. But yeah, no. So fucking... I guess, like, first stepdad or something. That's how he referred to him. And I heard it was a piece <coughs> of shit. Yeah, um, allegedly he hurt her. I say that because no, everyone said that there's, like, I think it was Gangrel and Kim said the same thing. No one saw it happen. But Luna said it happened. And she had bruises. And when they separated, they were like, okay, that's good. Um, And then we hear about a guy named, what was it, Tom Nash? It was Tom something. And uh, who, had a, who had a bit of a crush on her. Uh, he said, Gangrel talks about how Tom told him one day he got a call from Luna saying she wanted to travel with them for, a, I think, a wrestling training thing. And Gangrel did not want to, but they did it anyway. And then at some point during the drive, she's in the back seat. She, like, crawls to the front, and then she just starts attacking Gangrel. Yeah, like, Why didn't you? Why don't you like me? I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. Why? Why do you like me? He said, he said she's like smacking him, ripping his shirt up, and bit him. She bit him. I know. I'm like, fuck, dude. Who wants to hang out with that? And then I think I got confused because my notes here ask a question. They're like, and then they start wrestling in the forest? Or something like that. Well, here's the thing. It's like she like basically she randomly attack him, ripped off a shirt in the car. Then they get to whoever's pad who's got a backyard ring. That's what happened. Which then like during like the like during the practice skirmish or whatever, she flies out of nowhere onto Gangrel and bites at him. That's what it And then happened. I wrote okay. down true love. Ha! <laughs> oh man. Um so then yes, the three of them are 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 a, are a stable or whatever. Tom and had a they crush become the on Black her. Hearts. The Black Hearts, yeah. Tom has a crush on her. They get married. And then Van Hurd says when Tom would go to work, Dave would show up. Dave is Gangrel's real name, but come on, yeah. he's fucking Gangrel. So there's an alleged affair going on here. Gangrel says it didn't happen, but Tom confronted him about it and they got in an altercation. And Tom Gangrel is- whipped his ass. Tom isn't here for the interview, but he disputes the captions say he denies the way it went down. Gangrel says um, marrying Luna was a mistake, but Luna had a lot of love to give. See, and this is where they talk about their wedding. It's on Halloween. And instead of instead of getting like putting rings on their fingers, they got they tattooed their vampire bites on their necks. That's pretty. Uh, That's something. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of unironically think that's kind of cool. Yeah. A little bit. Well, you're the one trying to go for freaky big titty goth girls. So he says he has a few tattoos of Luna. Actually, one of them's on his drinking uh, hand uh, to help keep him sober. 
Or at so, least just help him not overdrink. Yeah. So eventually, because, bro, I'm sorry, just gang girl. He looks like he still drinks a little bit. I mean, you see that gut? We saw him live. He you looks so, bro. <laughs> like, we might be talking about this earlier. I'll save it for later. A fucking dude's at the side to get bellies during the pandemic. <laughs> okay. But we'll get there. Maybe. So eventually we jump to uh, Luna is able to finally debut in WWE. And, and she goes to that WrestleMania in Vegas. I didn't know was that, that. WrestleMania that, 8 or 9? That was 9. That was the. So yeah, she debuts at the shitty Vegas Mania. That was the Caesars Palace themed or the yeah. Roman theme, Greek themed one, whatever. Yeah. Like aesthetically it looks good, but I heard that Mania blues, blows cock. I have seen that Mania a total of three times in my life. I watched it once when I was a kid and you know, you're a kid. Watched it when I was a little older, and I'm like, okay. But I watched it like three years ago, and I'm like, this fucking sucks. Dude, Hulk Hogan cuts a promo against Yokozuna in support of Bret Hart because that was the main event before Hulk Hogan just yeeted the title. Um, the promo ends with him telling Bret Hart, "You gotta win, Bret. It's you or the Jap, brother." And I'm just like, hmm. Mm. I made the skin crawl a little bit. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it, it might be so bad it's good. I think Shawn Michaels wrestled Tatanka or something. No, no, I think he wrestled uh, Lex oh. Luger. Shawn Michaels having the passable match of the show. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, she debuts with Shawn Michaels and like, that's cool. And oh, and then apparently um, they mentioned how she was in the video games. And apparently she's the first female uh, res- wrestler or female anyone to be in a wrestling video game. That's cool. And then I got an excerpt from one of her cheesy in-game promos where she's like, the, the squared sucker. Yep, there was some wild video game inserts. I just wrote down she's doing pretty solid in WWE because of the video game stuff. Yeah, but then they like talk about how like no one there working WWE like realized she had kids because then she'll be like sitting there and like, oh god, I forgot my son's birthday. And it's like, wait, you have kids? Yeah. So basically, this part they talk about her being kind of neglectful because she's chasing her dreams of like yeah. being a big wrestling star. It's kind of interesting too because when they come back from break and they talk about this, they mention off they resummarize how she'd been on the indies. They said she was on the indies for like fifteen years. I was like, you didn't make it sound like that. I the- think she was in the territories. But yeah, um, Indies and some territories. But then she made it to the WWE whenever the fuck WrestleMania Nine was. That's yeah. like ninety, right? Yeah, because, that has to be that's well, like well, yeah, because if WrestleMania sixteen was in two thousand, then uh, what minus seven? So yeah, that was ninety three, I think. Shawn Michaels still had blonde hair, I think. Well, it wasn't like dark brown; it was like a lighter. Might brown. Be he had the mullet. Still. Yes, yeah, and the- Sherry was his valet. Yes, whatever um, that time period, someone will know. But you, yeah, uh, you know, you know, you know. You can like yell us wherever. You can be yelling at us like, "Oh, you fucking dipshit!" Well, the Led Zeppelin. Well, the Led fucking year that Mania Nine was. Well, the Led Zeppelin. Fuck you, you motherfuckers. Well, the Led Zeppelin fans already <laughs> yeah. think we're stupid. The Le- the wrestling fans might as well think we're dumb too. Fuck it, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. It says uh, she wasn't home. Uh, I wrote here. It sounds like she wasn't home almost at all, and she lived in a trailer. Uh, her and her son. And um, it just sounds like she didn't talk about her kids at all. So it says Luna at this point is with <clears throat> Bam Bam Bigelow. 
and she's on TV every week, but she can't show how good of a wrestler she is. Which she's stuck as being uh, slotted as a valet. But I, but the sentence I wrote here can't show how good of a wrestler she is. That's the great tragedy of WWE's history: is someone not being able to show how good of a wrestler they are. But especially back then, there wasn't an emphasis on women's wrestling at all. I'm sure there. I mean, there were in some territories, but not on national TV. Not on WWE. Very limited in the U.S. So unfortunately, the talented women they had back then were regulated to valet status. Then Medusa comes on. You want to talk about someone that was pissed about the situation back then? This is Medusa. She goes like wrestling feminist in a good way on this uh, on this interview. She talks about how there were no women's division and how it was a men's committee that did nothing with the women. Kim said the idea back then was you had to work 100% harder back then to be in a, as a woman for like half the credit. Medusa tells a story about how Medusa got so fed up with shit. She was champion at the time. She told, uh, and they were at a show in Canada, and Medusa's like, you know what, fuck it. You want the title? I'm going to drop the title to you. But Luna's like, no, 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 no. Luna no. had my problem when we were playing Smash Brothers. She was being a Girl Scout. Yeah, she's being too much of a Girl Scout. It's like, no, <clears throat> I don't want to take the title. I want to feel like they like trust me enough to earn it. And like, Medusa's like, fuck this. Fuck this. I don't give a fuck. So, and she's trying, she says she's trying to throw the match for Luna, but Luna just won't let her do it. And as a consequence, Luna never won the title in WWE. Never won the title at all, ever in her like, career. Which is sad. And which so, I guess around this point, they talk about Luna and Sherry become awesome friends. Yeah, they're really tight. But then Sherry gives her gnarly pills. Yeah, they did drugs together. Yeah. And Gangrel said he talked to, he confronted Luna about it, and it went horrible. He didn't go into much details, but he just said it went horrible. There's a little bit where Jenny, where, where Jenny or whatever her name was, Jenny, no, uh, Mad Maxine was talking about how Luna could have, should have, would have been higher up in her career, but addictions got in the way. Then we have audio of Luna talking about how they sent her to rehab, but then after they sent her to rehab, they fired her. I did talk about how like it was very depressing for her from yeah. at that point because I don't know this is the part where she was just like fucking just like on mad drug binges and shit and stuff. I believe so. Sorry, my computer decided to fucking have notifications and cut off the recording, but. But yeah, so yeah, drugs. Uh, he they actually drugs asked, and depression. They <laughs> was this like I guess five, maybe six. We kind of haven't had too much gnarly shit happening. Not too bad. Kind of settled for a minute. They, in the they documentary. They ask her son like if he's learned anything from Luna's story, and he says, "Yeah, don't do drugs." Yeah, that's a pretty uh, simple analysis there. And he said apparently she attempted suicide multiple times. He said she had like big scars on her wrist. If you ever looked at him. So at this point now, Luna goes... It's mid-90s. Yeah. Luna goes to ECW with Nancy Sullivan, a.k.a. Woman. Where Woman helps her get into ECW. Yeah. Foley mentioned how the ECW crowd welcomed her and quote-unquote... Well, he mentions how the crowd was able to, like, you know, tell the good talent from the bad talent and stuff. And then he says, and this is an exact quote, no one doubted she could kick Stevie Richards' ass. And that was funny. And then we cut to her kicking Steven Ri Stevie Richards' ass. In a fucking steel cage. I don't know if this is appropriate to his legacy, but Stevie Richards has to be my favorite jobber. I know he's not a jobber, but his best matches are where he just gets or just where he gets killed. <laughs> so fuck it. Yeah, no, Stevie Richards is hilarious. Oh, uh, man. But yeah, she wins the first intergender cage match. Yes. But then in the but late... that's kind of it for like ECW talk. Yeah, that's it. That's really it. 
I guess she wasn't there that long. But then in the late 90s, Luna goes back for some fucking reason. To WWE. As of Because they have better pay. Yeah. I mean, in Medusa's words, um, they st- uh, Luna was stifled there. Also, Luna really fucking hates the direction the company is taking women's wrestling at the oh, moment. Oh, God. Oh, no. And she's furious when they tell her she has to put over Sable. Mrs. Lesnar herself, who according to audio... Not Mrs. Lesnar at the time. At the time, yeah. Who according to Luna in the audio was told by Sable that Sable didn't have to... Was told she didn't have to learn to take bumps by Vince McMahon himself. Ooh! Oh, that have been annoying. So then Archive Luna talks about just how horrible her mental state was at this point. Because, like, someone like Sable yeah. is getting a fucking mega push that, like, she's been putting her grind in her dues. But yeah. nope. Because Sable's got big fake titties and she's hot. They're, like, really big. I think they're bigger than any of the Rock of I hear they get bigger. I hear they get bigger as time goes on. That wouldn't sur- I haven't seen a picture of her recently, but that does not surprise me. I don't know me. if she's, like, desized them recently. But, like, I'm saying during the 90s, Bro. I there was a gradual build on them. Bro, she's Brock Lesnar's wife. Do you think he wants small titties? No. He wants big titties like the big bucks he hunts. Ah, I'm Brock. I want big tits. Ah. <laughs> now, excuse me while I go shoot the fuck out of this, like, 10-foot-tall buck. Oh, my God. Oh, look You got to look that video. He's oh. literally so he's like, yes, sir, we got it. Oh, yeah. look at that. Look at that. I'm like, you're ca- caressing a dead body. My- well, he doesn't give a shit. What are you talking about? He does. Brock Lesnar is weight is really, really chill with killing. <laughs> yep. So fast forward. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then there's a little funny bit. Medusa's like, yeah, well, Sable's not a fucking wrestler. And then and then Mad Maxine's like, yeah, she's not a fucking wrestler, but she was hot. Which, yeah, that was her whole thing. Then we go to Luna's match. Oh, my God. This is like something out of a fucking movie that's meant to make you cry. Luna has her match with Sable. Sable wins, obviously. And apparently she goes in the gorilla. And when she gets there, like Vince and all of them are like clapping and applauding. Like, yeah, yeah. And like, she's like, dude, I did a good, awesome job. I helped made Sable a big star on WrestleMania. And it's like, nope. Sable was right behind her and they were applauding her. That broke my heart, dude. Like, I'm not even kidding. That almost made me feel like wanting to cry. So was it six or seven now? This is six or seven, dude. Let's just say six. Oh, fuck. But yeah, it tore her apart. And then Sunny, uh, there's this bit where I guess Sunny tried to talk to Luna, but then Luna just kicked her ass. Yeah, but she wasn't punching Sunny in the face because she knows she'd be in bigger trouble for punching Sunny in the face. Well, yeah, because then you're pissing off Shawn Michaels. And I would have been a little frustrated. Like, hey, don't be punching Sunny. So in let the me face. fast forward to what was this? It was a Mrs. Rumble thing. Was that what it was? It was something where they tried to have Luna do some fucking bikini contest, and she refused. Yeah, she refused to take part in the sexist bullshit, and they eventually fired her. I think they they said they yeah. found a reason to, but they fired her. Yeah. Now Ar- the roll call of peeps talking about mental health. Oh yeah, um, archived Luna is talking. Starts it off talking about how you know when she was there. Well, she- actually, hold it. <laughs> well, they talk about mental health. Then the fucking uh, stupid attitude of women bullshit. And yeah. then it's like posts, and we got a hilarious story. Well, it's sad, hilarious, where she like wrote in coke, coke lines, "fuck you, Vince," and snorted and started snorting that shit. And Gang Gale, or Gang Grell was just sitting there just watching. Gang Grell says. She had a bunch of coke and wrote out "fuck you, Vince" and snorted it. That's like that's horrifying. 
but that's kind of and like the thing the drugs abuse started getting wild and Gangro yeah. literally could not help her so he just they had to call off their they had to call off their marriage and he bounced out to California he so also he says can, he what so I was like so you could be doing porn oh yeah and then to back that up uh he also had mentioned that she was hitting like 10 ecstasies a day uh. That's on a normal day. A normal. That like, was a good day. He a said. good non. Uh, like that's a very, that's a slow day for her. Yeah. Which I'm like fuck. And then before that, Luna in her archives is just putting it in perspective how bad it was. How because you know in her mind she was like she would have done anything for Vince, taken a bullet, a train, destroyed her voice to where she doesn't even sound like a woman anymore, and just yeah. And then the cocaine thing. And then, and then, like, a quick story of, like, Kit from Kim where she said Luna visited her one time with a gun in hand. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, just fucking Luna. Seven, Luna shows up eight. at her house with a fucking gun rambling about nothing. And Kim has kids at this point. So, she's like, listen. Please get out I, of here with that gun. I love you, but I have kids. And then, yeah, Foley says how he didn't. He didn't say it like this, but he basically says, you know, when you're in the ring and you have the crowd in the palm of your hands for all those years, it's like a high. And then when that goes away, it's hard to find, you know, it fulfills something in you. And she never really found anything that could come close to that, not even her family's. Van, uh, her son says after she was fired, he said they didn't really talk at all. Yeah. He was at culinary school in Texas and she was in time, Florida. Yeah. She's in Florida being a fucking tow truck driver, a tow truck driver and hanging yeah. out with outlaw bikers. He even says she never met his daughter. Yeah. No. And like he said, he didn't really want to see her much either. So, mm. um, Foley said the last time he talked to her, she had, he, she had said she was in a good place and then, you know, her, um, Van Hurd, but then like a week later, yeah, and then Van Hurd recalled hearing the news from his grandma that she passed away, and it sounds it sounds like there was a little uncertainty on how it passed. He had yes. heard she OD'd, but also that she maybe choked. She might have choked on something or OD'd, but he literally said he didn't care on how she died. Yeah, he's just and I'm like, like nine. Yeah. Fuck, bro, it's savage. Yeah, he was just like, I don't care. She's gone now, and I miss her. That's basically what he said. Yeah, no, Van Hurd just seemed like a lot of hurt and just like, it's like, fuck you, mom. That's not even, that, that's not just hurt. That's hurt that never got closure and never can. That's, that would fuck with somebody. So, yes, um, Butcher back on one last time and he says, the thing is, you're supposed to love and understand someone. <laughs> Calm down. This isn't God's hate. No, I know Godzi doesn't sound like that. <laughs> I listened to that second album, by the way, after I had said God hate rules to, you know, what, during his match. To so Mr. King. Brody King. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's a good album. I like it. I like that band. But um, yeah, so he says the thing is you're supposed to love and understand someone while they're alive. He says no one survives in this world. Which I'm uh, that's a great quote, but Medusa then says basically Medusa says what I feel that they've lost a lot of people in this business, not just from drugs and roids, but from mental health. It felt like there could have been more help, and Foley remembers uh, being devastated. He reads a eulogy he wrote for her. I that he could the, never like he wanted to do a eulogy for her, but could never do it because she because then away. as but then as Kim says, Luna never had a funeral. Yeah, which fuck, there's just no closure for this woman at all, is there? Yeah, she's, she says if it was Luna's choice, she would have had, like, a big, loud funeral. Whoa, like, you're going over, you're, you're skipping over Gangrel. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Gangrel, yeah. Gangrel, from what I could tell, it felt like he had, like, a kind of, like, 
almost like a type of like survivor's guilt in a way because he survived and he cut her off like, and she, about, he like, died. He literally talked about the overall relationship, but he yeah. felt like if he continued on a relationship, he would he would be going down a dark. He path said just that with like her. he said like four times. But he this felt thing. guilty that he left her and like yeah. he felt like he could have helped her, like maybe still be alive today. But at the same time, it's like. Dude, you can only do so much. No, of course. So he has survivor's guilt. And it's like, yeah, I don't know what's up with Gangrel, but other than making porn. And he says like four at least times throughout this whole documentary, he's like, we would have both been dead if I stayed. Yeah, but Kim says Luna would have a freaking, like a loud funeral with Harley Davidson. bikers. And like Harley Davidson, some bikers pulling her like freaking casket with sparklers going off. And Van Hurd's like... No, she's pretty low key. She wouldn't want that. She would want to keep it private. I'm like, who knows the story of Luna? Well, the story of Luna is it's a bipolar. The many faces of Luna. That's what the episode is. And then to close out the episode, we have Archive Luna expressing her regrets. How she wished she would have been able to, um, how she would have, you know, uh, liked to have done more to help out the women in this industry. Um, And, and stuff and then Foley's last thing is he believes she would have loved today's women's wrestling environment yeah I know it's definitely better in America like she could have yeah. went to all Japan in the 90s maybe she did I don't know they didn't really talk about that but yeah it's a sad story you know I mean we never should have stifled and held down women's wrestling like we did I don't mean just us as men I mean just like America, you know, you know, and because like if because on one hand, like if Mula wasn't turning him into prostitutes and beating the shit out of them, WWF and Nitro were turning them into sex objects. You know, even today, and this is a real thing, people still take women's wrestling with a grain of salt. I mean, how many times have like you or I heard someone say like, "Oh, it's a women's match," or like, "Yeah, it was good for a women's match." Like, eh, "It's a women's match. It's a bathroom break." There's a subsection of very local wrestling fans. And I think I've talked to you about this before. That genuinely, and God is my witness, I'm not making this up. I have seen wrestling fans literally say, "I don't care if they can wrestle." I just want them to look good or something like who cares if they can wrestle. There's no good looking women in wrestling anymore. I miss the nineties and it pisses me off. It what are you oh, about the tricks are hotter now and it, it just pisses me off. There's a lot of women then and now that could be, could have been, were and are good wrestlers, but none of them were either properly trained or, or no one took him seriously. And I know it's easy to be like hindsight, right? But for real, man, Mula was a monster and Vince and a lot of other promotions in the U.S. didn't even want to try. And this whole episode, it was making me sad, but it was like making me mad too. And I always hate those people. They're just like, you know, oh, there's no more bait. I've seen people unironically defend Eva Marie. What? Because she's bringing sexy back to she wrestling. Fucking sucks. She's bringing sexy back to wrestling. That's what I've seen people defend okay, her. Okay, these people aren't. These people don't exist in the real world. <laughs> they like exist nowhere. And those same people, I'm sure if they're listening, this is the part where they call me like a snowflake. But you know what? Uh, eat my ass, bro. Luna's story is just really sad. And then the mental health stuff's a whole nother rant. But yeah, Luna's story is just one of, I don't want to say wrong place, wrong time, but man, she deserved better. She really did. I mean, they said she got on the drugs. They don't really go into specifics of how or why. You know, I'm sure a lot of things were her fault because that's just how life is. But fuck, man, she deserved better. She really, really did. That's my rant. Yeah, no, fucking. 
I'm just more annoyed at that fucking Eva Marie comment. Seriously, what the fuck? Yeah, she was bringing sexy back. When she came back, yeah, I saw I saw people saying that, like, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. The comments it's very, exist. It's a very, it's a very low. I miss the 90s because That's there's no more hot women in wrestling. Te- Tessa Blanchard looks like a man. Charlotte Flair looks like a man. Becky Lynch isn't, you know, and I'm just them. Like, you know, it's like Riho isn't a convincing wrestler, you know. Okay, fuck you. Riho's the best. And then when it comes to, and then when it comes Riho? to, and then when it comes to someone like, um, who's the transgender wrestler in um, AEW? I forgot her name. Oh, Sunny Kiss? Not Sunny Kiss. Um, Naomi. Oh, Nyla Rose? Nyla Rose, yeah. And then, oh, I don't even want to get into that one. But yeah, it's. The way women's wrestling is treated has always pissed me off, and just this 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 Luna episode, I was vibing so hard with Medusa this whole episode because she was like, "Yeah, this was bullshit." <laughs> like, yeah, it was bullshit, you know. All right, uh, let me grab a quick time stamp real quick. I know, sorry, dead air. Apologize for that, listeners. But fuck it, we're back. All right. So we're now gonna try to slowly transition <sighs> away from Rock what, of Love. Yeah, we're gonna try to transition away from that friggin' a pretty rough story of Luna Vachon. And obviously you had your rant and stuff too, of like your state of like all these fucking toxic old fans and stuff. But now I, that they piss me off. Sorry. It's pissing me off. Oh, we got all right. <laughs> I sorry I do apologize, but we do got a show. Let's roll on. Yeah. All right. Talk about Rock of Love. Last time on Rock of Love. Yeah. The fucking, we got the motherfucking ex-boyfriends and they were a trip. And it was probably and the best. Home, of, this yeah. was the best episode. And honestly, that might have been the death of the show after that episode. <laughs> Sing the theme, Edward, if you can. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, yeah. Please let me introduce myself. I'm going to get you off like there's no one else. Please let me be your dirty secret, your fle- uh, flesh and blood. blood. Yeah, okay, I was right. Yeah, you're a rock of love. Bow, wow. Rock of love, love. Look at my hair flowing in the green screen. All the ladies wake up in the morning, and they're pretty stoked because the blonde tarage have all died off. Yeah, Beverly specifically is like, yeah, they talked a lot of shit. I'm still here. So now the drama is focusing on Taya as she just like it like just talk about in the morning how she just won't shut up. She yeah. is literally talking and ranting about nothing. You yeah. could tell her to talk about a pencil and she could stretch 15 minutes out of that. I don't know. I didn't think she was the worst. I just felt like the show was just trying to create some kind of conflict because we need it. Yeah, so that wasn't much. <laughs> Jamie and her talking heads like, Taya won't shut up. And Beverly's and Beverly's like, she is so annoying. I'm like, I'm more annoyed by, about the complaining about Taya. It's pretty unrelent. Forget. There's a lot of complaining and unrelent, and unrelent annoyance. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> so then we get to the note. They go outside. They are called the Fabulous Four this week. He's taking them to the Hard Rock Hotel at Universal Studios Resort, Florida. That's a mouthful. Uh, to make sweet music together. Uh, so then they get there. Uh, place looks fun as shit. I've I've never been to that one. I've only been to the one in L.A. and that one's fun. But the one in Florida looks fun. Yeah, because they're in the hotel and they get the room with all the Brett Michaels bullshit. That pissed me off. God, it's this fucking show. What do you suspect? I don't. Care that room looked like an eyesore, dude. Don't be mad that. Don't be mad at yourself for you not understanding the show. Come on. What? So they get there. 
Um, they get to the room. There's a bunch of swag waiting for them. Shirts and shorts and shit and stuff with logos on them. Little like boxes with stuff. They're pretty stoked to be there. They're like, oh, gee, I love all the memorabilia. There's a plate that's framed. It's a plate autographed by Brett. And then there's a picture of him with a guitar and a set list autographed framed over a bed. And I'm just like. I don't know what I was like. I just went and like it. This is self-indulgent bullshit, but Beverly Beverly really wants to jack that and take it home. That's what I wrote here. I said, Beverly's pretty stoked. And Mindy says in her talking head, she thinks Beverly's in love with the idea of being in love with a rock star. Okay, then. Okay, so Mindy's talking about how it's affecting her because she's really starting to fall for Brett. She's and then she starts randomly getting emotional and crying. Yeah, she literally just starts randomly crying. I'm this, like, fuck. It's the first time we've seen her cry throughout this whole show, and it was pretty jarring. It's kind of weird, she, but she starts crying as she realizes, oh hey, one of our it's now down to us four, and literally I'm falling for Brett, but feelings are gonna get hurt now. I'm like, yes. Have you watched this damn show? <laughs> it's like now that Ashley and Farrah are gone, they all realize, Which, oh, wait a minute, we have a show now. You yeah, know? no, it's like, spoiler alert, this episode was kind of fucking boring. I didn't find it as boring as the one before royalty. Not the one before royalty. Dude, the one before royalty was the death of Farrah. Oh, yeah, no. I didn't find it that boring. I, it wasn't great. I'm not going to try no. to tell you it's great. Like, the last three episodes were highs. Yeah. And then this was just death. Ta- and literally, the Blontourage were some of the shittiest and meanest people on camera. Yeah. And I disliked their characters, and I wanted them to get their, like... Their comeuppance. Yes. But they got their comeuppance. And now it's like... There's a quarter of the show mo- left. Yes. And now we realize, oh, shit. We got to try this. And not going to lie, these ladies are not as charismatic. That's the problem. And then you sent me a link. Fair and Ashley have their own show now. Well, That's- they have like their own. I guess they got their own show of fucking Lacey called What the French. Yeah, listen and to literally, that. I listened to it. It's like, there's like, yeah, so we're like sending dick pics of our husbands to each other. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes, they're like savagely sneaking like their husbands are asleep. Like, All right, I got to take a picture of his dick and send it to fucking Ashley. It's like, ah, oh, damn it. She sent me a dick pic of her husband's dick. Well, fuck it. Now I got to do that to her. While they also says like we got only fans too. Yes. <laughs> At the time of like their podcast which was like a year ago. They said they have only fans. And it's like, and we don't give a fuck what our like families think. Shit, my husband thinks it's hot. <laughs> he goes like, "Oh, we got all this cool kinky wear," and he's like, "Couldn't keep his hands off me." I'm like, "You people are like some of the most meanest people, but when you're just not being mean and you're just being weird and silly and drunkish and in your own wo- word, their own words, not mine, acting like total whores, you're fucking entertaining." They literally is like after the show. Seriously, th- this episode sucked. I'm just like plugging like Lacey's podcast at the moment. Go check out that episode of her, Ashley and Farrah. They literally say like after the rock of love, obviously they did the other VH1 shows that they appeared out, but they both just ended up stripping together in Las Vegas and they would just be wiling out and shit. They'd be like sitting there. It's like, Oh my fucking God, is that Mayweather over there? And they'll be over there just like, like being drunk and falling over him and stuff too. And then just fighting skanks at like freaking all up and down Vegas. I'm like, Dude, these ladies are fucking wild. I can listen to them talk, but I don't think I can actually hang out with them. 
They look wild now on Lacey's podcast. They got fucking vampire nails and shit. And they're just like, holy fuck, how much money do you guys spend on yourselves? If you're wondering why I'm silent, it's because I'm sitting here in complete horror. Ab- abstonishment, I think is the word. And yes, my name is still on Ashley's boob. <laughs> oh, God. Um, It's worth checking out. Because watching the show with them, they kind of were just like, you guys are villains, I want your upcoming... Your freaking comeuppance. Yes. I wanted that to happen. And it happened. And it was great. But then I realized, oh shit, the show's now died. You know. That's when the sh- <laughs> that's when the fucking they jumped the shark. I don't believe the show. You sh- know, we've said a lot of shit on this podcast, and I'm gonna uh, over the year, and I'm telling you right now, I feel like I almost need a minute to recover from all that info. You dropped a you dropped a ball, you dropped like four Nagasaki's on me, dude. <laughs> that was gnarly. You couldn't handle the freaking Farah and Ashley freaking like the blonde nonsense. bombs, the blonde bombs, the blonde was it, shells. Was it them sending their pictures of their husband's dicks to each other? I've never heard of that before. That was a new experience that I have been told about. There's a, I guess you just have to listen to, they do things that are just like, you're in the fucking, you're in like the whore dimension. I'm not part of that. <laughs> So Mindy on Rock of Love oh, is crying that she might had her feelings broken. And Tay is trying to like vent is trying to like help her, but then Mindy starts yelling at her and then she says this cringy line where she's like, and you don't understand, in the game of love, I always lose. Like I'm 35, didn't I'm you, still single, and she, I've never been engaged. I'm like, wait, what? Well, Wait, I wait, I missed that. Mindy's 35? She says she's 35 single and she hasn't been engaged. They look 35 to me. Well, maybe she keeps good care of herself. <sighs> so then Jamie and Oh, and by the way, Jamie and Beverly don't give a shit. They're just like, fuck. So later on, Big John rolls in a cart full of stuff and he gives Taya a letter and it's uh, and it's he's basically telling them it's time to see if they can make sweet music together. I'm doing a live music set today and I want you to write the title, verse and chorus to my song. They have an hour to write and perform it. And it's just like Mindy's just becomes Mindy the miserable and she's like I can't sing, I can't write a song. I don't even know what a chorus is. And Taya's like, "Well, no, just try. You might be able to." You don't understand. I don't know what to do. Like, that's literally what she was doing. I thought you said, I don't know what today. And I'm like, wait, what? No, I said, what today? What today? Today. Today. So he left them. So I found this funny. He left them CDs and he didn't leave them stereos. He left them boom boxes. They are called boom boxes. And those are boom boxes. Yeah. Teeny, tiny little CD boom boxes that like plug into the fucking wall outlets. Yeah. So Winter is going to jet off with Brett tonight to do a thingy. So Beverly- Yeah, he's going to play a sick show. In Texas? Something like that. Somewhere. A lot of his shows seem like he just ends up playing fucking some fair festival and gets flown out to it. Yeah, it's funny. I said, I called- 300 days out, of, out on the road a year. You know, it's funny. I said, I called Texas Tejas to someone at work. Tejas. And they never heard Texas referred to Tejas as Tejas before. They were like, what? I said, do you call Texas Tejas? I'm like, yeah, that's how X is working in Spanish. Tejas. Tejas. I'm like, oh, I've never heard that. And in my mind, I'm like, fucking how? But anyway. How? So, yeah. So, Beverly, so that's going on. Beverly's like, I don't know how to do this, but she got into it as she went on. Yeah, she's like, I really don't know how to, but she threw on the song. And it's like, honestly, the words are just flowing to me. It's not like, oh, I've listened to music before. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes that works like that. Mindy is struggling hella hard as we cover. Jamie's chilling. Well, she's like struggling. It was like, I can't write a damn song. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Uh, then Taya's, Taya's, Taya's like, calm down. Calm yeah. down. It's okay. Just do something. Yeah. I don't I mean, know he's just like, what to do. I mean, he's just like, wah, 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 freaking wah. So Beverly finishes up hers and feels like uh, she says, and I have here with like four quotation marks on each side, total rock star, she feels like. What, Beverly? Yeah. She okay, fi- she I finishes, got lost. She finishes her lyrics and she says, I feel like a total rock star. Big John comes and get them, and then Mindy on the bus finally gets something together. Well, I know. She's like, she's like, I only got a sentence. And then on the bus, she's listening to songs. Like, you know what? I'm just going to write what I'm feeling. I'm like, yeah, that's all you got to do. Yeah, that's what that's what song that's what lyric writing is. Well, Unless it's for theater when you're writing or movies when you're writing for characters. That's what a song that's what a song is. For the most part, like, yeah. Oh, were you some prog rock band trying to tell me some epic sci-fi story about the Federation? No, because she don't know what to do. Are you trying to tell me about the space corporations? All right, so they arrive to the spot where they're recording, and like, hey, it's fucking Vince Neil stunt double, or Vince Neil. <laughs> you get it, real? Brett's good friend Pete Evick, I wrote, which is his guitar player. Which I wrote earlier in the season, I was like, hey, it's, it's Vince Neil's fucking dollar store equivalent. I wrote here, you know what? He's one of Brett's only friends that doesn't look like a potential sexual predator. He does look like a sexual predator. Oh come on, not as bad as uh, who's the guy Vince from Neil season lo- two? Oh well, the guy with the black hat and hair. Oh no, you're thinking of the motherfucker that was like helping with the music video. Child. Yeah, yeah, that guy looked like a sexual. That predator. guy was like putting hands on women's shoulders. Yeah, but in this, that episode, dude, all. Brett's friends, other than Big John, look like sexual predators. Yeah, okay. So fucking Vince Neil stunt double. So Vince Neil too is here, and Brett says, "Okay, the one who looks the most confident and secure in their riding, he's not really caring about quality right now, gets to fly with Brett. Yeah, I was right to Texas for a festival. Brett Tejas." Brett, yeah, Tejas. I've never heard of that. Brett says in the talking head, he realizes that these pro- women probably aren't songwriters. And I wrote here in all caps, neither is he. Come on. But, now. He, but he thought it'd be fun and that they could hang out and make some music. Yeah, make some music. Music that he's written, that he wrote. So Beverly's up first. And the way it's going to work is Brett's on stage with an acoustic guitar that's plugged in, but they also play like backing tracks too. And I'm going to be honest, I thought Beverly kind of killed it. For her, for the most part, I wrote down Beverly's first. Her song is called Love, War, and Rock and Roll. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the t- I forgot to write the title. I'm like, that sounds horrible for a ballad. That does sound like a ba- like a fine banger song, if it's a sarcastic one. Yeah. But if it's serial, I think it's kind of lame. But Love, War, and Rock and Roll. Yeah, no, but she's like, no, she has a solid voice. Like, honestly, just she just needs more practice. Like, yeah. if she was, like, consistently in a band working That's what on I wrote it. here. She was in time. Voice was good. Lyrics were a perfect fit for Brett. She and, had a call, Ross. And then they, and then they, and then in Brett's talking head, he literally went, nice. And Beverly's like, oh, my God. I'm, like, sitting here jamming with Brett fucking Michaels. I'm just like jamming. Yes, you're sitting there jamming and singing music with Brett fucking Michaels. Beverly has achieved all of her life goals in this episode. Apparently. Yes. Jamie next. And uh, she's not as good. Her song is called Text Message My Heart. What? 
You did not get these song titles. I dude. swear I don't. Unless YouTube cut them out, I, I would have remembered text message my heart. It's literally text message my heart. She can't really sing, but she's like, honestly, I can't really sing, but I'm just going to sit here and look sexy, shake my booty to Brett. Brett says she had the rocker spirit. Yeah. And like freaking, yeah, that's kind of it. Taya next and fuck me, dude. Like you got Jamie throwing shade. Like she's like looking at Taya. Like she's going out, just like give her a little tongue. Just, eh. And yeah. just like, okay, let's we'll see how Taya does. Maybe she just got a weird scratchy voice. Taya's song's called Once Upon a Time. Taya sings and you got Jamie going, of course. <laughs> Taya can sing. I think the theme of this episode is like, oh yeah, my yeah. god, Taya's so perfect. I was just gonna say, uh, yeah, Taya's penthouse titties. Uh, there's a theme. Taya can sing. Uh. There's a theme throughout this sh- this season that was subtle, and now it's just in your face of people just kind of being jealous, jealous of Taya of Taya because she's a penthouse model. She's arguably the nicest one consistently. She's po- uh, th- someone says this later, but she's poised and composed, and and she's not. Nice, and she has a good singing voice, and she's good looking. She's <sighs> Taya kind of kicks ass, dude. Just, and all the ladies are just like, fuck, 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 Taya. <laughs> yeah, just like well, that. Mindy, and Mindy is like a good friend of her. She's just joking. It's like, you know, it'd be funny. Maybe like she might be talking about all the penthouse stuff. Maybe she came on the show to start a music career. Ha 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 ha. Remember that. Yes, remember that. Uh, and uh. So, and then Mindy is up next, and... She can't sing. She and tried. And Brett's like... Is, no, Brett's just like, just try. Come up here, have some fun. She tried. And it's like, I don't know how to say, hey, sing that. Let me look at your thing. We'll go through once, and then, yeah, we'll, like, track you doing the singing it. And then, yeah, Brett helps her start, and it, like, it's like, Jamie is like, poor Mindy... And she's like, oh, someone's worse this singer than me. And like Mindy's just like, it's just too awkward for her. She's not ready to jump into this. Yeah. She wasn't able to press the fucking button and just fucking be like weird and fun and pitchy. She was scared. She let her dreams be dreams. So now we're on the judging segment. Where uh, Brett sends ladies outside. Yeah, he tells him he liked all their lyrics and sends them outside so he could talk to good friend Pete about the quality. You mean Vince Neil's stunt double? Yeah, that's right. Vince Neil too. Yeah, when Vince Neil can't perform the V-N-I-I. Yeah, when Vince Neil blows out his voice, they bring in Pete and just have him like <clears throat> fucking just mimic out some like backing tracks. Speaking of which, did you hear about Vince Neil? Um, <laughs> yeah, he's trying to do some fucking gimmick ab burner like machine. Call it like he's getting in the shape. I was like, what? No. Well, that and he's in the hospital. Oh, for what? He fell off a stage. Why are you laughing? Because he looks funny and tubby. And watching him, (laughs) watching a funny looking tubby man fall off stage was kind of like, I got That's awful. Yeah. That's kind of funny, but that's awful. Yeah, well, this is fucking Vince Steele where I've watched this episode of Cribs and he ends everything with a ha ha. He's just talking about, I was like, oh, here's my haha, my like, my my baby Ferrari. Only I could drive it, except like my lady could drive it when I'm like too drunk to drive it. Ha ha. Ha ha. And this is like, this is the man that like, like had vehicular manslaughter because he like <laughs> drunk drove in. Listen, Vince Neal's had a hard life, okay? His strip club failed. <laughs> Stop it. No. <laughs> What is wrong with you? His strip was a fucking meme. 
His strip what club failed. His comedy. I hate myself right He's now. He's never been able to kick his alcoholism. His solo career is basically non-existent. Uh, vehicular manslaughter charges. Well, it existed and I, enough where he fucking played at the freaking Long Beach Grand Prix. And his daughter passed away at like a young age, I think. Yeah, that like that's not funny. That's not funny. But him falling off a stage and having his strip club fail. Don't worry. When I brought up the daughter, he didn't even crack a smile, so it's okay. We're not. He, we're, he's not that bad. James isn't that bad of a person. No, like I'll laugh at him falling off a fucking stage and. But like, he's like in strip, the hospital and his strip club fail. He's like, how? What did you just fucking do? Like, did you just save all the I think strippers? It was for, in Vegas too. You, did you save all the strippers for yourself? <laughs> how? How can you have a strip club fail? How bad of a business were you running? Titties bring in money. Does that look like the kind of guy that has good business sense? No. There's a reason why I think all the legalities of Motley Crue are mostly handed by like Tommy Lee and Nikki Six. Yes, especially Nikki Six. Yeah. He's the hustler. He has a new book coming out. Yes. See, he's got books. Vince this Neil is his doesn't. third book. Vince Neil doesn't. <laughs> Maybe Vince Neil could have a book and help him. Like. Vince Neil does have a 2007 solo album called Tattoos and Tequila. Well, maybe he should get a maybe he should write a book and that might actually bring him some money. Well, there was the I'm dirt. not saying that Vince Neil's not an interesting story. No, he is. He is. You might as well, like, Vince Neil could have a, like, dude, business plan for Vince Neil. Boom. Bro, try to write a book. Instead of just being drunk and, like, having a machine try to, like, wash off your app, wash off your gut. So, Brett and Pete, that, you know what the funny thing is about Vince Neil is that, like, his story sounds really similar to David Lee Roth. When he joined Van Halen, because like the three guys were chilling, then all of a sudden here comes this big blonde loud asshole, and he kind of just never left. That's kind of the story of David Lee Roth and Vince Neil and their bands. But yeah, so Pete and uh, Brett, they're talking. He feels they feel that Bever- uh, Pete thinks Beverly was the best song structure because in no, his the, well, it's not song, it's only two. It's a verse and a chorus. Well, no, but what I mean is she actually knew how to verse chorus. I just wrote down she understand the challenge. Well, that is what he said. Yeah. Jamie, he felt, missed the point of the challenge. And, and like, lyrics, her lyrics... Well, sorry, you go. No, I was say, her lyrics were just about Brett. Wanting of, like... Well, it's about her lyrics about Brett, like, her trying to tell Brett what to do. Yeah. Send me a fucking text message, you 40-year-old boomer, you crypt keeper ass glam daddy. Why do you call him a crypt keeper? Dude, that one picture I shared in the chat. That's true. He looks decrepit. Uh, but Brett said she had a lot of confidence. Taya, he thinks, was the best singer out of all of them. Uh, and Brett can tell she's done this before. But they did not talk about her songwriting. Yeah. Well, no, you said there's no songwriting. It's just lyrics. It's just lyrics. Yeah, that is what it is. Yeah, I know. Beverly's the one that's like, oh, I'm going to actually try to write a hook. So then uh, Mindy, he's like, you know what? She tried, which is funny because that's what I wrote. She tried. He liked her effort. Mindy, oh, and... Okay, remember that part where Mindy was like, "Ha, what if she's here not to promote uh, paying house? She's here to promote a slinging career." Oh, we're, we're talking about outside. Yeah, it I was cuts just, to I this. was just gonna voice said that forget Brett thinks like honestly, Mindy just like she tried. Yeah, but I feel like she kind of let like the pressure get to her and not enjoy it. Yeah, that's what he wanted. He wanted her just to enjoy and have fun, but yeah. she kind of didn't. It was just awkward. It's like. Yeah, no, she's confident on some things, but I feel like she needs to, like, open up and be more outgoing on things, even if she's not, like, super confident. Yeah. But now outside, Mindy brings up her joke to Taya, and Taya's just get the sour, most sour faces. She is not stoked. She's upset. She is irked, if I'm putting, if I'm able to put it lightly like that. Yeah, she's not happy. 
Uh, but then Brad eventually brings them all into the room and tells them, <laughs> these are his exact words, if we were putting it together in the studio, the winner would be Taya. So yeah, he picks Taya, but yeah, that line. Now, if we were putting this like together to for on the track in the studio, the winner's Taya. And it's awkward silence. Well, dude, I wrote here, you pin drop. It was like, quiet. Taya's like, would someone clap? And it's just like, these ladies are like, it's the final four. Fuck you. Yeah. And then Brett. We don't need to like congratulate. Fuck you. And then Brett does, the th- is just kind of like, oh, and come on. A round of applause for Taya. And come then, on. yeah, they do. But yeah. And I'm just like, but like, seriously, bro. But like, seriously, like, pause. Just like, that's what the reaction was when Brett said she won. It was fucking awkward. Yeah, it was pretty death. So, Brett has... uh, So, then Brett sweetens the deal. He says there's one more seat on the jet. And he's going to take some time to think. But then, yeah, he's going to do that shit from like a few episodes ago where he gives them cell phones. And if they get the callback ringtone, then they get to go on 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 the plane. The jet. The plane. So who calls and gets the freak? Yeah, I, I literally wrote here. I was just going to ask you, can I just skip to who won? Just do it. It's Beverly. Yeah, whoa, whoa. We're just going to sit there. It's like, all right. The first They person. sat there in anticipated silence as they held the phone in their quaking hands. So who was the first one and with their quaking hands to first try to call? I, I think it was Jamie. Yeah, it was Jamie, Jamie tried to call, but nothing happened. So but then she split, failed. But then in the split screen, Minnie was the next to call. And she failed. But then Beverly... Called. And she was the victor on this grand day. As she got the song Driven by Brett Michaels. Which is a I horrible like the song. Way you move. Which is one of his worst songs. <laughs> Fucking. It's one of his best if you're looking for So Bad It's Good. <laughs> is it? I think so. I wonder if I can find it on Spotify. Probably. Okay, so Tay is. Oh, fuck. He's looking for it. So Tay is kind of annoyed because. And Mindy looks defeated. And Jamie looks like a combo of the two. So they cut back to the hotel. Beverly and Tay are getting ready to go. And she's venting how she's kind of hurt slash annoyed by what um, Mindy had said. And, you know, about Taya being here to promote singing and penthouse. And then Beverly's annoyed because she has to listen to Taya being annoyed. And... Wait for this shit to drop, bro. I like the way you move. It's so horrible. What? What? I like the way you move. I like the, I love the, I like the way you feel. Ooh, the band came in. My wheel. Isn't that amazing? How does career never take? Oh, how did his solo career never take off? <laughs> how is he not bigger than Poison? How is he not like when the Beatles what went is solo? This song, a new new breed of American cowboy. What? All right. All right. It's just every rose. Just a little more up tempo. Oh God! Why does Brett suck so much? How is he successful with that much suck? You know, it's funny. We try to like kind of like the guy, or at least tolerate Fuck him, you no. know. But then shit like this happens. Fuck no! Uh, what was that one line? You are you wrecked me, baby. Was that the line after you? I, I like, like the, the way gra- you. Grind. I, li- I like the way you grab my 
Wheel. wheel. I thought he said it like, I like the way you grab my wiener. I'm like, what? That's what I thought he said. They're like, wheel? What are you, Brett? <laughs> what is Brett? He's like 50 and he still wears women's pants. Yes, and his face looks like the fucking Crypt Keeper now. <laughs> after years of foundation abuse. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's funny. That reminds me of that line he had back in uh, Decline 2 where he was like, yeah, the thing is we have to wear more makeup as we get older <laughs> to hide how ugly we're getting. And it's just like, well. So, yeah. Um, so they go meet Brett on his big black well, bus. Well, did we go to like at the hotel? Taya's just yeah, ranting I, about Minnie's yeah, joke I, to Beverly. No, I like, covered that. Oh, yeah. my God. No, I covered that. Oh, one you were, were because I was looking up his fucking shitty song. Yeah, you were. You were, No, look at it this I way. You were up. researching. I was researching nonsense. Exactly. All right. So, yeah, they're on the big black bus. And he tells them, hey, great job on the singing. And I didn't say this earlier, but yeah, these two are probably the best singers, like consistently, that we've that we've seen on the whole show, like out of all three seasons. So then Taya has a little. Um, wait. Well, here's the I wrote this. Taya has a little gun. Is like, yeah, man, Beverly. What? <laughs> Taya is basically just like, oh yeah, dude. Beverly couldn't take her eyes off you. She wanted your rocker cock. Yeah, while they were singing. I didn't really note that. I just wrote down after, like, to get in the fucking bus to get ready for the date, or at least they're heading to the date. The ladies behind at the hotel decide, you know what? Let's make some, let's take some hot, sexy, classy, slutty pictures and give yeah. it to Brett. Yeah, Jamie, she, Jamie's kind of hyper, isn't she? She's a little spinball. She's just like, let's take some slutty pictures. Like, classy, slutty. That's and I'm saying. like, fuck it, why not? You might as well. I'm sure Brett, Brett always is stoked on, like, Teased, teasing naked women. Brett's stoked on women. Yeah. That's why he did this show three times. Th that is a fact. If there's I'm anything that is fact on the show, <laughs> Brett is stoked on women. Brett is stoked on women. So, with Brett and the girls, things seem kind of quiet. Taya's trying to ignore Beverly, but she's kind of hugging all on Brett. I talk about when they just finally arrive in the, yeah. te in the Tejas. Yeah. Taya's giving Brett a nice massage in the, like, freaking limo, and you just see Beverly just, her eyes rolling in disgust. I swear they reuse that same exact clip twice this episode, but whatever. So, Brett's playing a shitty music biker festival. Are you ready to... This is what the guitar... Vin VN oh, you didn't get the name of this goddamn festival? Uh, yeah, I forgot. What was Don't it? Don't care. I didn't get it. Dude, the episode's dead now. There was time where I wanted you to have killer notes, but now the show's definitely lost. Oh, so now I can't have killer notes. Cool. Well, actually, no, keep up the killer notes. It's always awesome. I just know that the guitarist came on stage. Are you ready to rock and roll? Oh, yeah. I like the way you move. <laughs> I like the way you... Oh, fuck. My notes reset. <laughs> I like the way you... Grab the wheel. Grab my wheel. Okay, so um, I like the way you uh, tell me them notes. Damn, brown. Please keep singing horrible Brett. Why find my notes again? <laughs> I okay, like here the we way Brett does shitty concerts. Oh yeah, I wrote um, I wrote some. I of like the, the way I think of what I'm gonna eat after this ep recording this episode. Bam, bam. By the way, speaking of I Brett's like the way of should I get some Olive Garden? Olive Garden sounds pretty. Grabbing steep. some car like shitty Olive Garden carbonara. Bam, 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 hey, just because it's a chain from a corporation doesn't mean it's shitty. I like that. 
Not minestrone, because I'm going to get that. No gay. <laughs> that's that's Brett Michaels clever. <laughs> so yes. I wrote some lyrics Brett here. Michaels is writing, food, uh, writing songs about food and women. I want some Burger King, but I want McDonald's fries. Damn, bam, bam, bam. Okay, so They're I wrote here. the street. <laughs> I wrote here. I miles will get both. By the way, I wrote here um, some of the lyrics from the song he wrote. He had to open up the show. My girlfriend told me she don't love me anymore. She told me she was moving in with my best friend. This is where the party ends. Millions of dollars this man has made. He's slamming his liquid death on the table. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> this Why is where he... the party is. Were our lyrics, were the lyrics we were just bullshitting better? I don't know. <laughs> now, I don't think talking about Minestrone and Noki is going to like give me millions of dollars. Bro, I've had to hear singers talk about, uh, talk about chicks and cocks my entire life. Honestly, singing about Minestrone. Stop. It's not going to stop now. It's not going to didn't stop then. It's not going to stop now. Seeing, hearing people sing about Minestrone, that'd be a breath of fresh air. And tasty. How much music of cocks and bitches are you listening to? That's the Rock and Roll's foundation. They just got less and less subtle about it. Listen to some of those old rock songs from the 50s and 60s. They were singing about the same shit. They were just being, they were just having a bunch of pretty similes and metaphors. I know. They were clever. Unlike Brett. (laughs) Brett's not clever. No, he said we, he rhymed wheel with, I forgot. But yeah, so I'm pulling up the song. So this is basically Taya and Beverly. Taya is annoyed with Beverly being like, a rocker. Down, yeah, put down your gross looking rock hands. Why are you throwing up your rock hands? Eh. And Beverly's annoyed that Taya's being mellow. And like she's just sitting there like uh, uh she's doing her penthouse hip swivel. Like what the fuck does that even mean? I don't know. They want Brett's fucking bones, so that's why they realize, oh, we kinda have to hate on each other now. Is the penis worth wait, no. Is the TV time worth it? <laughs> No, because there's no, like, dude, I want my blondage. Uh, well, so the show's over. They bounce out. He's signing things for people. Oh, this was funny. He even humors. There's this older lady there, this total granny. Dude, like, literally, like, Brett says, like, and I think this is the reason why Brett has a career. His little fans he has don't matter. I almost feel horrible saying his fans that don't know better. Yeah. But I can understand if you like poison. Pharaoh likes poison. I don't know why, but, like, it's okay to, like, not everyone should be listening to garbage music. Hey, Daisy liked Poison, too. Remember the time she dropped the bombshell on Brett that she hung out with Cece? (laughs) And Brett looked really upset about it. But there's one thing that you can admit about Brett. He will talk to any of his fans that go up to him. There's this older lady goes up to him. All the Punishers. Yeah. He will sign their shit. Uh He talks to him, and who I assume is this woman's son says, this is your oldest fan. And then Brett's like, yeah, my hottest fan too. I'm like, you know what? That was nice. He's... He's nice to his fans. Maybe no. it's because the cameras he's are there. Ve- oh, he's very loyal to his fans. And is. honestly, I could believe it. I actually This look genuine. Yes. I'll give him that. Like, yeah, he's a fucking annoying, goofy, creepkeeper-looking prick. But I could believe he treats his fans with respect. 
Because that's why he still has money. He ha- he treats his fans re- with respect, but he still writes songs with lyrics like he's in the 80s. I like the way you grind. Oh, like, if you want to talk about motherfuckers, want to talk about tubby dudes? Fuck it. I realized this week Sebastian Bach got a fucking gut. Yeah, dude. Like, there are people. He's had it for a little while. There's people. Oh, this must have been the pandemic. Because I remember him still kind of looking like old Sebastian Bach, but then I see this like. Oh my god, he looks like a fucking oversized jelly bean with fucking stick figure arms and legs. No, I literally was listening to a video. I was watching a video of him introducing Saw. It's like, so you're gonna tease me, but you're not gonna please me. Come on, everyone. Let's do it like how it was in the 80s. If you're gonna tease me, you gotta please me. And people were just saying, dude, he sounds worse than Vince Neil. I'm like, <laughs> No, he seems fine, that, but that, he looks the, bad as Vince Neil. Those people have to be lying. Tall. Those people have to be lying. Vince, Sebastian Bach is still considered no, one of the best heavy metal singers. Vince, no, like Sebastian Bach has Vince Neil's fucking torso, but still Sebastian, Lock, Sebastian Bach arms and legs. I think his singing still sounds fine. I think it's fine, not as good as it was. Well, like, yeah, but that's 10 years ago, but that's, that's not he's fair. Older. He's yeah. older. Yeah, but he also got fat. <laughs> Fat people can still sing pretty good. You know who didn't get fat? Brett. I think he's actually leaned out. He's skinnier. You seen pictures of him in like the last two years? He's really thin. Maybe it's leaned out like you said, but he's thin. Yes. He's like kind of concerning thin too. Like he's not sticking bones, but he's really lean. Yeah, like he definitely leaned out, but like forget it. But it's the opposite. You either lean out or you fucking like the pandemic makes you worse than tubby. That's true. And your voice blows out trying to do a 14 song set. So I sing more than 14 songs. It's like, fuck, dude. I don't want to do 14 actual long length songs. So in the limo, Beverly. Oh, so then Beverly just has Brett sign like a bunch of shit. She has him sign. Oh, yeah. Beverly becomes a punisher. So I found a bunch of random stuff and I actually want you to sign it so I can give it to my kids. Yeah. And then she tells Brett, and I quote, I have to still figure out something for my son. Wait, do we, talk, do we skip the old lady that he said? Is like, like I said that. I am so fucked up right now. I am so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's not your fault. It's the show's fault. I talked about Sebastian Bach's fucking gut. <laughs> Listeners, there was an old lady that came from New York. Someone says, Brett, this is your oldest fan. And Brett was like, this is also my hottest fan. Yes, I said that. And then I said I said it was really nice. And then we were like, you know what? We he's loyal to his and fans. I, was fucking, I believe that. Yeah, and I was a fucking caveman where I'm hyper-focused. Like, I want to tell you about Sebastian Bach's fat fuck looking new look. Beverly is having Brett Michaels sign teddy bears, everybody. 2021. And I she, almost thought he said you had it was like Brett Michaels sign titties. <laughs> He actually did do that. They had some shots of him doing that. Yeah. The shirts weren't off. He was signing their shirts, though. So then Beverly tells Brett, and I quote, I still have to figure out something for you, my son for you to sign, so don't eliminate me until I do. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. So a funny joke. Taya is sussed at her and annoyed, and Beverly is just annoyed at Taya because Taya is the whole, you know, it's the whole thing of like, Taya's well, she's the just whole here package. for. <laughs> yeah. Or like, for, wait, who's like angry at who? Well, I was saying Taya, you know, her whole no, thing with Taya's Beverly is like, she's just a rock groupie. Oh, she's only in rock because like Brett's a rock star. Look at her. She's just bringing like just like stuff for Brett to sign for a kid. See, I'm here for love. I'm here for Brett's three inch chode. <laughs> 
So next morning, Taya gets back and she's still pretty salty at Mindy, who is trying to make nice with her. And if I'm going by her talking head, it feels like she doesn't understand why Taya's upset. So Taya confronts her about it and they argue for a while. Like Taya's all like passive aggro, then becomes aggro. And Mindy goes like, it was a joke. Yeah. I meant no harm. But Taya's like, yeah, but you said it. And now everyone's thinking that I'm here for a music career, but I've been fucking roasting for my goddamn penthouse freaking thing. Cause I like, oh, a penthouse and stuff. And like, I've just been roasted and harassed about now. And now people think I'm just here for a goddamn singing job. How dare you, Mindy? I thought you were my friend. I, I thought you would like be here for me, but no, no. You're cracking the jokes. Ah! I was like, bro, they've been roasting you about you being here to promote Penthouse since like episode two, bro. I think it finally broke her. <laughs> I guess it did. Oh, now you think of clever new ways to diss me? Oh, whoa, well, well, fuck you. Ah, ah, ah. You just mad because I got titties. I'm in Penthouse. They all have titties. They're all women. There's yeah. four women in the room. That's my joke. Oh, okay. Okay, so listen. They're arguing, and just when it seems, I feel bad now for ruining your jokes. I didn't get it at first. <laughs> well, no, that makes it funnier for me. <laughs> like, no, like, and then like says his joke, and he cries that, and then then freaking yeah, Taya just breaks. I was like, and then you guys, you guys didn't fucking clap for me when I won. You guys are poor sportsmanship. I couldn't believe she said that. Like, fuck you guys for not having sportsmanship. I'm like, look. It's like you seem like we were competing for breast fucking three-inch chode. I'm like, look. But now, no. I'm like, I I have no friends. I couldn't believe she said that. I was like, look, Taya. Like, I'm pretty sure you're the one I'm rooting for now. But, like, dude. (laughs) You guys didn't clap for me. That just made me laugh. No, and then freaking, so then, and yeah. then like, no. And then Taya starts arguing with Beverly. Well, because Beverly like jumped in, I think. Yeah, no, she's like, well, but uh, you had all this uh, and you were like hanging out with, you were on Brett all evening. And then Taya clapped back going like, well, you didn't try hard enough. So now they're arguing with, at each other. And Taya's like, you shouldn't have been there anyway. You shouldn't have been there anyway. I want a damn challenge. And you fuckers didn't clap for me. Fuck you guys. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Okay, so after the commercial break, Big John comes and gets everybody and says there's something. Well, it's sp- like the next morning. Okay, I thought it was the I, I thought it was the same day. Oh, I was like, well, no, now it's the next day. They go down and Brett cooks the ladies breakfast. This is probably the nicest thing he's done for anyone in this whole show. He's got on a little chef's coat, has his name on it. And Brett says, I'm not a cook. I'm not really a good cook. But you know what? I can make a scramble. And Brett's like slicing a fresh tomato. Yeah. Looks like he's making some bacon. Like, yeah, his scramble when he like like plated it looked just like a sloppy scramble. But I'm like, you know what? If he's using fresh stuff, I'm sure that's a fine scramble. Now, there, it's not Gordon Ramsay's scramble where he gets it perfect. Where he's like, yeah. yes, you got to put the heat on and you got to take off the heat. Heat the on. Heat is stirring. Heat on. Preheat. Preheat. 125 degrees. Now, add the basil. Gently lay it yeah. over. Wonderful. And then come and slice the tomato. Thin slices. Because that's the thing about, like, that's the thing about, that's a trip about a good scramble 
good scrambled eggs are still a little wet. Yeah. Like, I was like, Gordon Ramsay said, they need to be a little wet. It's like, they like a little bit, they kind of look like cottage cheese. It's the only way. Consistency. Re- yeah. And that's usually a good scramble. I usually kind of fuck up a title like, they tend to be a little bit like overcooked. That's the only like, time I. It's supposed to be a hot egg. Yeah. The scrambles, they're supposed to be nice and soft. That's the only time I'm down for runny eggs is if it's for a scramble. Other than that, I like my eggs fluffy. But yes, yeah, so like a nice fluffy, a still a little wetness, or like right before they start yeah. get a little too hard. So Brett had a funny little line here. He's like, "I've been known to scramble an egg or two. That made me chuckle." And like, yeah, his like eggs look sloppy, but it's like you know what? At least they look like there's some flavor, and you look like he's used. Brett. This wasn't fucking Daisy <laughs> and those fucking, fucking chocolate, pancakes. those chocolate chip pancakes, bro. <laughs> it was eighty percent fucking chocolate chip, twenty percent pancake batter. Holy fuck. That would have killed me. Give me breast scramble any day. So his good deeds kind of undercut by the fact that he's trying to pry dirt out of him. He's like, hey, how was your morning? Good, bad, any naked cat fights? And Beverly's trying to be all passive aggressive and go in an argument, but she's not having it. It tastes like, eh, it's resolved. It's done. You know, she's just really just trolling Beverly at this point. They're using uh, Mindy to uh, paint in the talking heads to paint her out as this like manipulative douche. But I don't get it. I don't see it. Taya seems fine. Maybe she's a bit of a chatterbox. But she, am I crazy? I don't think Taya's that bad. They're, it's not Christy Joe levels where they're trying to make me think she's Satan. But yeah, the but lady la- just goes like, oh, my God, Taya's like so perfect. She seems so calculated. Bro, they just mad because Taya's a Chad. Yeah, that's the thing. The last three episodes have been people pointing out, oh my God, Taya's so annoying. Taya's this, Taya's that. And it's like, bro, Taya's just good. <laughs> just get good. Yeah, quit sucking. So then Brett pulls Mindy aside and he's trying to talk to her. He's trying to get her to open up and to tell him how she feels. And in her talking head, she says Taya is her friend. And she's not going to, but she's not just going to hand Brett over to her on a silver platter. And then she, from my perspective, proceeds to not do what Brett wants and instead just rants about Taya to Brett. Yes. And Brett's sitting there is like, she's not presenting herself. She just keeps talking about Taya. Yeah. Because Mindy's sitting there is like, ah. Man, it's fucking Taya. I can't do. I can't do. It's like fucking Taya. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Taya's just like, oh, I'm Taya, I'm pal. She's so calculated. She keeps such a good composure. That's how a real person. Taya's a robot. Robot with titties. <laughs> you know, that composure shit bugs me because it's like, no shit. She's been in penthouse for how long? Who knows what kind of freaks and fuckers she's had to deal with. She won penthouse of the year for a reason. Clearly, she has a lot of composure because she's had to have a lot of composure. Yeah. You get that when you're in that industry. And if you're good at it, which clearly she is... Oh, my God. The Taya hate's ridiculous. But, okay, so... Well, this show needs something. That's true. Believe me. We make it seem like this episode was more entertaining than it actually was. This episode, when I first watched it, was like, <laughs> dude, after what... Because I first watched it right back, like, right back to off from, like, the X's. My, dude, the X's episode was fun. I'm going to watch the next one. And this, I'm like, holy shit, the energy <laughs> is fucking drained. So then... Uh, so while that, so while they were talking, Jamie and Beverly are talking. Jamie's salty because all the girls that have drama are getting time with Brett, but not her. So she realizes, like, I need to talk to Brett, but it's like I have sexy pictures. So yeah. I'm just gonna, it's gonna be rude, but I'm just gonna have to come in and interrupt her conversation with Mindy, which it wasn't going anywhere. So yeah. like Jamie comes in, and there's one of the pictures that are blurred are blurred out. So I guess 
Jamie showed Brett a picture of the goods. And yeah, I was like, it's funny too, because I was, when she goes to talk to her, I'm like, ma'am, what the fuck happened to those sexy pictures? And then she pulls out the sexy pictures and yeah, Brett and his penis are stoked. Yeah. Brett, like Brett, we can for sure say likes women. I felt his, I retroactively felt his penis expand all the way from here and they were in Florida. And the year of our Lord of 2009. <laughs> it is time traveled. It's a time travel boners, dude. <laughs> okay, so um, he loves them. And yeah, he sends them away. And that's pretty much it. Now it's time for elimination. Yeah, I know. Fucking. So we only got four people. I don't know how we could drag this out. He just, he when he shows up, he just gets to it. So yeah. Like, so the first pass, who does he give it to? He gives it to Taya. There's not really much what he says on it. I guess Taya just was the best. Taya's a Chad. Ta- Taya was a Chad. <laughs> and then Jamie. Because which, she was a chiller. Yeah. And then Jamie, I Jamie because like she's not dramatic and she's been chilling. Yeah. And I wrote here, oh fuck, it's Mindy and Beverly. I like them both. Oh God. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. What's gonna happen? And yeah, he ends up giving the pass to Mindy. Well, yeah. He Brett says that Mindy feels like she as too much tie, like too much still on this Taya thing. It's like you need to separate yourself from this Taya thing and get onto us if you want to continue further. But I like you, so I'm gonna give you the pass if you want to accept it. So Mindy takes it, and then I wrote down Edward now Edward Rage because your girl Beverly is now been- oh so disappointed yeah. Oh my god! So I'll admit, for the last few episodes, Beverly was kind of weighing on me because I, th- I thought she was the coolest one. But some of her whining and anger stuff was kind of annoying me sometimes. But yeah, I was bummed. I liked her. Um, and he basically his whole thing is like, you know, I just feel like you're more in love with the rock star than you're in love with me, the person. And- I'm like, dude, you, how, how can she know the person? She doesn't seem like she's gotten a good opportunity to know the person. Brett Syak or whatever the fuck. <laughs> she only like knows this annoying fucker, Brett Michaels. So yeah, Taya, uh, not Taya, Beverly's sad. Brett's kind of sad and I'm sad because yeah, Beverly's gone. Yeah, but like Beverly ain't just like bawling out. She's a fucking trooper. No, she's chilling there and then yeah. Uh, I'm holding out for Taya to win. Oh, by the way, shout out to OMG Network, the YouTube channel I watch these episodes on, for giving away like who leaves and stays for like the last like three fucking episodes on the in their thumbnail and titles. The thumbnail for the next episode, uh, eleven episode eleven, it's like Taya crying, and the subtitle is "We Were Never Friends." That kind of told me what was gonna happen. Who what was gonna happen? So yeah. Fucking G fucking G guys. But yeah, no, she's gone. I'm sad. It's a shame to see her go. Um, She was a babe and she was, she kind of was a little weird and aggro. Yeah. Which, yeah. But the road does that to you. Yeah. Cause that's one thing. If I learned from Ashley and Farrah on like them on the podcast, they talk about how crazy the freaking road stuff was. Cause they like, like, Lacey brings up so what was it like when with the during that time of that like production accident where the guy in the like one thing like the one vehicle freaking fell asleep and then like merged over in the lane and like killed like two people got in an accident where he killed two people and injured two people too and she's like we were in a hotel and it was like three days past and we realized we're not filming for anything 
but it's the fucking VH1 production crew where they took away all their fucking cell phones. They don't have TV access or magazine access or phones or phones to really call. So literally it's like, except the calls like friggin' service for food or what necessities and stuff up to the friggin' floor. And they were like in a hotel for a week while that like drama was happening. And then it got back to filming again. That sounds awful. Yes. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, and the ending credits is the ladies just joking around planning oh, their yeah. weddings. So that was that episode. I thought it was boring, but we made something out of it. We usually do out of the boring episodes, I think. Maybe because it's boring, and then we just, like, start acting like fools. It's what we do best, bro. I don't know how to do. I, do, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Okay, fuck. I feel Taya like is so calculated. So perfect. And this is our show as we are done. Yeah, no. So <sighs> next week, we should be able to be bringing you the next Led Zeppelin album on our list. What is that album? Oh, it's called, uh, I think it's Coda. Let me check real is quick. Is it Coda? Is it the one with Cashmere? I'm waiting for the one with Cashmere. Oh, fuck. I forgot about Cashmere. What do you forget? Dude, Cashmere is it, is it, Isn't that the one where it's just like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever that one. Like, I think Casper's good. It's like not as much of a Zeppelin song as Zeppelin songs goes. Isn't that the one where it's like Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, that one. Um, so yeah, next week's album is Oh, it's Physical Graffiti. Oh, okay. Which does in fact have Yeah, it has cashmere. What, what the fuck do you mean it's eight and a half minutes? Dude, these Zeppelin songs fly by sometimes. I hope so. Oh, and wait, it's a hold on. Oh, it's a double album. What? No, 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 no. Side one has three songs. Side two has three songs. Side what? Side three has four songs, and side four has five songs. No, no, no. Yeah, it's no, a double album. No. Oh wait, no, that's deluxe edition. I don't need to name deluxe edition. No, 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 no. Okay, here's physical graffiti remastered, and it's an hour and twenty two minutes. What the fuck? No. No. Odd! Oh, that's like the worst! This might be the. Dude, holy fuck, this might be our longest sound we have to review today. Hey, you were stoked for Cashmere. Bro, what is. The, I looked and I'm like, what are these fucking song names? Night Flight, okay, the wa the Wonton Song. <laughs> oh no! Boogie, oh no! Boogie was stew. Custard Pie. Braun Year. What the, the fuck? The Rover. Houses of the Holy. Which it says it's an outtake. They left an outtake on the album. Why is there a song called Custard Pie? Dude, fuck us. Fuck us. Hey, wait a minute. That Braun Year art. I, remember, I recognize that name. That's from Led Zeppelin 3. It's a, wait, half of this shit's like outtake. Down by the seaside, the Led Zeppelin 4 outtake. What? Yeah, a lot of these are just outtakes. What the fuck? What is, wait, but is Physical Graffiti an actual fucking album? 82 minutes, fuck, dude. That's what, an hour and 20? Yeah, it's an no, hour it's, and 20. Yeah, it's hour and 22 minutes. Oh, shit. 
That's next week, everybody. Yeah, at least I know the fucking next album. Fuck, presence. at least with Use Your Illusion, we didn't have to listen to all that and both of those in one go. And at least with Chinese Democracy, they didn't release it as three discs like Axl Rose almost did. So yeah, the next uh, next episode is the finale of Dark Side of the Ring of season three with the steroid trials. Oh yeah. That should be a fun That's the one I've been waiting for. That should be fun. Yeah. And then the next episode of Rock of Love. We're down to the final three. I don't know what happens on that episode. I need to go watch it. I hope we see Dave Meltzer's mullet. Oh, I hope so too. A dark side. But then after that week, it'll be Halloween. <laughs> and we're going to be watching fucking. You say the movie because I keep fucking up the title. I know what you did last summer. The original did, one. Yeah, I know. We're going to watch that one. Other than that, <laughs> listeners, this was the Dr. Death Danger radio show with their host, James and Edward. I hope you have a good one. Because I got, I won't because I got to fucking listen to an hour and 22 minutes of Zeppelin. Fuck me. I like the way you get the lead out. <laughs> All right. Adios. Bye. Be sick on that. Come on, give me that song. And, I, oh yeah. <clears throat> and so I cry sometimes when I'm lying in bed, trying to get it all out. What's in my head? And I, I am feeling a little peculiar. And so I wake in the morning and I step outside and I get it all out. What's in my head? And I scream from the top of my lungs. What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good song.